Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, You Know What That Means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North-South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com Up Connection Podcast Network listeners and viewers, welcome inside the Wrestling Warzone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT. Joining me as ever is my partner Chad. How are you? Good. Always exciting when we have a pay per view. Big night. It's um, a big one. I feel like it's been like a like flagpole episode, tentpole episode, flag po- post in the ground. Like we've kind of been marching through this one for a while. I feel like it's an interesting show. I think it's a show that. Um, I don't know. I don't, it's, it was a weird show for me. Felt like one of those shows where there was a lot to talk about and then mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot to talk about. So I don't know. Um, I feel I, like it's an important show, though, because it, it's like the I, I look at this as kind of the unofficial end of like I think Survivor Series 96 kind of started the bridge to like attitude and the real war for WF. This to me yeah. feels like the real end of the old era like i know we've had a couple of those but this one feels like it's kind of the last we get pure sean baby face presentation austin really becomes like a guy here we're gonna kick off brett's heel run right on the heels of this pretty much um raw's wars around the corner we're pretty much done with the like tape four weeks of raw in a cycle we still get a couple of weird raws but like we're done with the four taped canned episodes set up so to me this always felt like really the end it's like a blend of the end and the beginning but like to me this is what kicks off where we're gonna go with WWF. yeah there's a lot of uh new things on this show i, I think it's one in retrospect that it's interesting to analyze for sure yeah yep um, and that show is Royal Rumble 1997, so if you're obviously sort of heading, you should know. But uh, we are uh, simulcast. We're on YouTube with this. If you're watching, we appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe, and uh, you can like it and leave a comment, of course, and share the link. Uh, but it's also an audio form on any podcast app if you just search North South Connection. Most of our shows are simulcast audio and video. There are some exclusive to each feed. Uh, there are some that just do audio. Those are more long-form podcasts, so we have a lot of short short video content available just on youtube so if you just subscribe to both you kind of catch everything we have to offer or visit northsouthconnection.com 
or follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok are a little, not as updated as regularly, but Facebook and uh, Twitter are pretty up to date. So if you follow there, you'll you'll pretty much get everything we've got going yeah. on. So uh, we got a pair of hats, Chad. I feel like we're uh, it's tribute to the two eras of Shawn Michaels. You got the authentic 1997 Heartbreak Kid San Antonio hat that you got this year when we went to the Rumble in San Antonio. They were selling those. And then I, I, I broke up the camo. I feel like camo is a very Sean camo hat is a very Sean uh, Michaels thing as well. But um, so, yeah, Rumble 1997. Before we dive in, though, do we have anything in the world of Meltzer that we want to cover before? Or is it more like about the show? There's a lot just regarding the attendance. So I guess we need to decide do we want to talk about that now or when they actually announce it. I know when Fink. Why don't we do it like before the Rumble match? Okay. So there's a lot going into that. And what happened. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think we can just dive in. Okay. So the 1997 Royal Rumble, January 19th from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Obviously, we've been hyping it up for a while here. Nope. Um, no more Mr. Nice Guy was the tagline. <laughs> uh, the announced attendance, 60,477. Like Chad referenced, we'll get to that in a little bit. We did have three uh, dark, we had two dark matches and one free for all match. So right. on the dark matches, we had Paraguayo Jr. And Venom defeated Maniaco and Moscow de la Merced. And a Blue Demon Jr., Octagon, and Tiamblas Jr. defeated Abismo Negro, Heavy Metal, and Hysteria. And then on the free-for-all, we had a minis match. That was Mascarita Sagrada Jr. and La Parquita defeating Mini Mankind and Mini Vader. So anything you want to cover on those dark matches or free-for-all? A uh, couple things on that. So uh, Heavy Metal worked twice. I don't know why, because <laughs> um, he's he's in the uh, the match on the pay per view too. Um, but uh, I don't know. Also, we'll get to it, but I don't I don't think it was very wise to do three lucha pre show matches mm. because you got to think if you're a casual fan, which we'll get to, a lot of this crowd was. Yep. You see these three. I mean, you know, it's three matches of people they probably never heard of, right? Um, and they're doing some dives and whatnot, and that looks spectacular. And then once you get the match on the pay per view, it's like, well, we've already seen right you know, better yeah, athletes out there. Right. Uh, Guayo Jr. was 17 at this point. I mean, Dave has the beginning of the first pre show matches, he says it's a good opener, started slow, but then uh, built to high spots. He hasn't rated. I don't know if that was a live report or what. He's not live from this show, which is always funny when he has. Yeah, especially a dark, like, would it really been like a fan cam or whatever? I don't think so. I don't think these have ever seen a lot of day. Anyway, he has two and a half, and it certainly wouldn't have at this point, like this close to publication. So we went two and a half for that. And then he actually says, I guess his report, it said this was easily, the second match was easily the best match on the card. He only three stars, but. That's the uh, Octagon, Tiablis, uh Blue Demon Jr. versus Heavy Metal, Abysmo Negro, and uh, Hysteria match. Someone must have recorded it for him, or or he just had someone he trusted. Yeah, I think it's a live report. I mean, yeah, he's, he does he does that a lot on the observers. Like you yeah. got to be careful uh, with some of his star ratings because you'll you'll get like these live reports that has. Some jabronis uh, star ratings, and then they just get published. And the the point of the crowd is a good one too. And we're going to talk yep. about it all through the night because you know it is heavily papered. It's clear. Um, also, is two people that were in the Alamo Dome recently, like acoustics not great. 
I don't think. Oh, um, I thought you were talking about Adam and George. <laughs> them too. But it's two guys who were there this year. Like, I feel like acoustic-wise, it's not like the best setup building. It's very it's old. It feels old. Um, so I, I think the crowd this year sounded very better on TV. But if you picture technology that many years ago in a building not really greatly suited for that, plus a crowd that's not fully engaged, it's it hinders a lot of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a it's a big big building with a bunch of fans they wanted to pack out, so they did that through various means, which we'll talk about later. But um, you know, over overall, it's it, it was it was tough to do. Like they're able, obviously now with sound and tech, they're able to uh, bring the action closer to you with the screens and whatnot. Yes, if you're live, yep. but even then, like you said, I mean it it did feel very cavernous being there. Like it. It was it's old. Fair, it's an old. It totally felt like an outdated stadium in 2023. Yeah. I don't oh, know, 1997, time. but uh, it felt like a relic in 2023. Yeah, I mean, it was built in uh, 90, yeah. 93. It opened, so it was only four years old at that point. Yeah, I, I guess, mean, I, I, I guess I compare it kind of to the Georgia Dome. They're pretty much contemporary. Sky Dome. They're probably that's close to that. Yeah, I mean, it was a few years um, later. But. So it's. I mean, you got to remember, this is 26 years ago. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it felt it felt like the oldest building, like besides like Fenway, you know what I mean? Like it's, I feel like one of the oldest buildings I've been in that really yeah. felt, I don't know how old the Superdome is, like that felt it too, obviously. Yeah, the Superdome though, I I think they've done enough like renovations and just the way the Superdome setup is where I've been to football games at the Superdome in the uh, upper deck and it sits so far over that you kind of feel more on top of it. This still felt like... See, where, where I was from Mania 34, though, is under those overhangs, and you couldn't hear a thing. Like, oh, yeah, that, that completely that crushed any noise. Like I couldn't even hear theme music at that Mania because mm. of the way this thing came over you. I was like in the back of that section. But I, I meant even more like the concourse, like walking around oh, very tight, very hard, hard to get through. And that's how the Alamo Dome felt to me. It was like very... Close quarters. A lot of cement. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. All right. So we got our opening video. It's very focused on Shawn Michaels' climb to the top, all his issues with Sid, uh, <laughs> Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, and Jerry the King Lawler. Welcome us to the Alamo Dome. They're all decked out in cowboy gear. It's a pretty infamous moment. This is the first time Ross wears the 10 gallon hat and he never takes it off again, I don't think, um, unless it's slapped off him by someone. But he pretty much will wear that going yeah. forward. Uh, so he keeps it from here on. Yeah, this is officially the end of uh, whatever whatever heel. Yeah, well, end of the heel run, but also the end of like old school Jim Ross, like the nerdy guy with the glasses that rattled off the facts. Like he definitely turns a little bit more. I don't want to say cowboyish, but like his 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 bravado changes a little bit from like nerdy. Yeah, it's it's very weird to see like how he became. I would say most synonymous with that. Mm-hmm. Because he never wore a cowboy hat up to this point, and he'd been doing commentary for 13 years at this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even you would think like admits out next to like Cowboy Bill Watts, he'd be ready to go. But he did. I mean, you know, he had his Southern flair, but he, he wasn't Country Jr. that you think of here. So this, no. I mean, this is this. I mean, he pretty much like got fired over not wanting to do this a couple of years ago. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, like even his demeanor and voice changes completely from like the nerdy, fast talking sportscaster JR that we've known through this to point to more of the character John Wayne. It's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting um, kind of character study in him Mm -hmm. because he obviously gains a lot more like political clout the next few years and then kind of gets treated bad too. It's, it's, it's such a like up and down relationship with him and that mm-hmm. company. Um, but, it, but it's interesting how he, he, uh, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's you kind of would like to get into the psyche and see like, if he thinks he like sort of had to sell out and would he do it again? Because he did reap benefits from it. And, you know, he's, he's probably the most famous it's it's again tough, but I'd say he's the most famous wrestling announcer of all time, right? Like, I'd say Mean Gene's probably the most famous. Mean like, like, I'd say Mean Gene and him probably top two. Yeah. I mean, I think for a while you could probably say Jesse, but I think he faded quick. You know, um, yeah. So I would say Mean Gene. Like, if you ask any wrestling fan, like, oh, name an announcer, they're gonna probably say Mean Gene. Maybe the Fink, even if you count Ring Announcer. Um, but I would say Gene and and uh, Jr. I think yeah. and King, honestly. Probably, I mean, Jr. and King together have to be up there. Like, if you yeah. ask for an announced team, I would say most people are gonna say Jim Rot, Jr. and the King. Yeah, I think I mean because even like now, we're we're getting to there where. Uh, like I said, this show was 26 years ago, so it was a while ago. Like, there's fans now that were not even born. Um, there's fans that we, you know, we talked to guys yeah. like Logan that were very young, weren't around when this was going. You know, weren't watching when this was going on, like Souza, Logan, and Shiflet. Mm-hmm. But um, it, I mean, they're still obviously no like Jr. You know what I mean? So it's, it's right. one of those things. Like that's kind of became the nostalgia for mm-hmm. some too. So. Yeah, I mean it's our, it's the gorilla and Bobby for like a generation. Yeah, it's basically pushed. I mean, I think it's completely like pushed out, obsoleted. Someone like Gordon Soley, where now mm-hmm. it's just like hardcores are hardcores, right? And um, now gorilla and Bobby are kind of like where Soley was, mm-hmm. like when I was coming around, where it was like, oh yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember this guy. He's like of my childhood, you know, that comfort food. Yeah, now yeah, for us it's gorilla, Vince, Jesse, Bobby. You know, what I mean, like those. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to say Tony or whatever, but um, and then yeah, Jr. And, and King of that era, so yeah, and Larry Zabisco. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, we have some crackling audio or your favorite technical issues. There's there's a lot of technical issues yeah. actually on this show. We'll get it. I blame the, the dome, I, I think that dome is, yeah, I mean, they don't have exactly a sparkling uh, track record. <laughs> It's your favorite theme of 1996 is the you don't think about it like wcw gets ragged so much Mm -hmm. for their technical mishaps and it's like just on this show there's three pretty yeah i I would say this is the least significant of the three i mean this doesn't matter there's two like fairly significant goofs that happen one in the rumble and one in the lucha match all right, we get the Spanish announced team introduced officially Arturo Rivera, Carlos Cabrera, and Hugo Hugo Savinovich. Mm-hmm. And then Jacques Rougeau Sr. and his son Ray Rougeau are in the French booth. So we got all three lined up. Is this the first time we've had all three? I think it's the first time we had the French. Yeah. So. yeah. 
Yeah, we've had a Spanish for a bit. Yeah. Um, all right, we get right to our opening match as Goldust taking on Hunter Hearst Helmsley for the Intercontinental title. This has been a feud we've been following, obviously, over the last month-ish. It kind of started its time when Hunter was stalking and trying to hit on Marlena. It led to the king asking Goldust if he was queer and Goldust saying <laughs> no, <laughs> punching him in the face. Yeah. And so it's pretty much just turned Goldust along with Marlena uh, throughout this feud. So he saunters out. First big match is a face, uh, IC title match, chance for revenge. We get a video package as Goldust is coming out. Uh, that takes us to Hunter's entrance. He has a surprise return of Mr. Hughes, which JR notes who it is. Um, so we've been talking about Hunter kind of needing someone. You know, he had Mr. Perfect for that hot minute, perfect left. He felt like he could have something. I mean, Hughes is a butler um, slash bodyguard like is fine, but he's not a talking for it. Like Helmsley, we feel like needs like some kind of additional personality at this point. So Hughes feels like a guy you have with someone else, like a valet slash manager. Hughes is the bodyguard. And then Hunter, like just Hughes to me, doesn't feel like enough for where he's at. Yeah. It doesn't seem like much of an impact. Um, because perfect was being positioned so highly mm -hmm. before he bolted. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot. First off, I mean, this video package, the way they like retcon perfect leaving, is mm -hmm. hilarious. Where they they make it like a hunter like, kicked him out. Yeah. yeah, they make it seem like Hemsley beat him up and like ran him out. And, mm -hmm. uh, like 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 they basically the whole ruse of them fighting. They make it seem like it was legit after Hunter won yes. the title. Yeah, that he wrecked uh, him with like, a thing. Like, and timeline wise, this it's it's, it's yeah. hilarious. Um. Yeah, when Hughes comes out, it's it's. I mean, obviously this is pretty short lived. Um, Hughes got fired from ECW <laughs> with drug problems, so it's, it's that's when you know you get an issue. If, you, I was like saying, if, they, if it's too much for them, if it's too much for the ECW locker room, like so this guy's got to go. He's an too, interesting too choice to give him another chance. <laughs> um, and and we see how quickly they pivot to something else mm -hmm. in like a month, and uh, obviously something much better and bigger. Um, and it's like, boy, was that like just a, what, we'll, we'll have to track that and like the observers and what we think. Cause it's like, did they just suggest that? Did they pivot to that? Cause if it I is, don't know if Hughes is around like, past this night, honestly, I feel like oh, he yeah. might be one and done. Like, we'll I don't see, know if he's even we'll on have again. To see that. I yeah. mean, so, so if they did like not have, I mean, okay, we're talking about China. So if they, if they had no idea, like that she was going to be a thing. At this point, I mean, what what a great audible they call. I mean, she debuts at Thursday Raw Thursday, and like, mm -hmm. I know Sean and Hunter were pushing for her. I think, right? Didn't they? They found her at a gym or whatever. It That's was, the story. Know, right? So they had been we'll pushing for track. her, so maybe they were, and they were like, "Well, we want to try Hughes first. But like, when's the S and M shit with Hughes? Is that this run where he's like into the S and M stuff? And isn't that part of why he gets fired too, or something? Oh. I don't. I don't think he's around long, so I don't know if it isn't like if they tried Hughes, he fit, and they Sean and Hunter made it just like pushed him out and been like, oh, this guy's not working, you know, like trying to get the China, so bombed um, him, knew he'd yeah. bomb or something. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. a very interesting choice. Him coming over as his butler didn't make a whole lot of sense either, but he could have worked with China too. Like, like I'm saying, like here's an extremely poor man's version, right? Like just incredible. In ECW, right? He's got Jason. He's got Nicole. Uh, Nicole Bass. He's yes, got Chastity. Yeah. Like 
build up this little motley crew like oh i got my butler i got my bodyguard like and then build a stable around him like it could have worked and then you know however you want to do it but um so i think like you could have kept Hughes, but that's why i think something i don't know i, I feel like this was there's some run in here with him and the friggin um snm stuff i thought it was this like he got he was like uh we'll be on the lookout for that on the observers um i mean like, it just says he made two brief appearances. That's it. Okay. So <laughs> maybe it was 99 was the SMN. We're, we're halfway so. home. Um, <laughs> I mean, Hemsley putting him as his butler too, just that title. Like, it mm-hmm. feels like Hemsley's character is a weird, like, we're yeah. definitely beyond most of the aristocrat, right? You know, all those tendencies in his gimmick. So. I don't know. It, it, I mean, it didn't make an impact. We'll talk about. It. I mean, this crowd doesn't react for much, but they sure as hell didn't react for Mr. Hughes when he. Jr. Out. noticed him right away. He's the only one. Oh, yeah. That's why he called. The big Jr. Guy. was very good calling out people on this show, much yeah. to uh, Vince's chagrin. <laughs> he, he, he early spots Paul Bear coming up. He, he was he was on top of it, and Vince was like, "Whoa, I don't see it." Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't call the the big cat. <laughs> Yeah. Curtis Hughes. Right. Uh, all right. Goldust meets Hunter in the aisle. They fight there. We go back inside. Ross is here, and Hunter was happy with his new butler. Um, so that must have been Hughes. Goldust beats on Hunter in and out of the ring. Hunter stooging around. Goldust uses the steps. Vince announces that after all everything that we saw, George and Adam were thrown out by security uh, <laughs> because during the free-for-all, they walked in on a Shawn Michaels interview, um, which I, I kind of like that they at least explain why they're not there. Like, oh. At least it pays off the story uh, that oh. they wandered down during an interview trying to get on camera. <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I felt bad for these poor guys <laughs> because, like, I mean... They interfered in the show. It had been months months so were they on the free-for-all or no do you have i think so the way he says it it, it's like we saw it like as we you know during the free-for-all we had a Shawn michaels interview and george and adam walked behind the shot or whatever they were trying to do yeah if they're on the free-for-all i'll give it more of a pass um i did like keen calling them doofuses or whatever (laughs) like losers (laughs) he's basically like they're hanging out for months and then they got kicked out with a bunch of losers um <laughs> proves you for wanting to scout tickets early. We'll have to um, see. I'm sure the free for all is out there somewhere, but I think I think they did do. I don't think because Vince would have said like earlier in the night, but I think he specifically says during the free for all during a Shawn Michaels interview, they wandered down and security threw him out. So because we'll I mean they weren't on the go home. You know we talked about that right. Sid promo. I've tried. I've scoured the internet for uh, apparently like the superstars had a bunch of interviews from like on site like they would do some see if they were in it but i i couldn't find it online uh, i didn't look at some of the other uh, basically search youtube but um but yeah that'd be interesting i mean if they appeared that's fine but it, I, I thought it was a little bit of a sad end that they didn't even make it to the pay-per-view <laughs> we'll check it out it's that's gonna be out there um hunter's begging off he kicks low throws gold us outside the crowd is just tapered off completely Goldust comes back and uses the stairs he works the leg uh, Goldust eventually gets thrown back outside by Hunter, who finally takes over again. While Hunter's beating on Goldust, we go to Todd Pentengill in the crowd. He's interviewing Colin Ray. Um, mm-hmm. Like, why are we doing this? It makes, like, we're completely, this is a big icy title match with a, a feud. And it's like they're treating it like it's a squash on superstars or something. Yeah. He uh, makes uh, Colin sing Little Rock. 
uh, Todd mentions Little Rock like nine times during his interview. So it's, I guess it's the only Colin Ray song he knew. Colin Ray, bigger get than Aaron Neville that was at the Superdome <laughs> or about even? Or, or, I think Neville's a pretty big star. I'd say he's... If I ask my mom right now between Aaron Neville and Colin Ray, she knows, uh, she knows Aaron Neville, I'm guessing. <laughs> Unless she's a big fan of... Uh, Little Rock. Uh, we get a long heat segment. Golas blocks a superplex, misses a top rope elbow. Hughes hands Hunter the title. Hunter kisses Marlena. Goldust grabs the belt, hits Hunter with it, but Hughes makes a save. Goldust takes Marlena's cigar and jams it in Hughes' face. I mean, that's why he leaves. Uh, but Hunter comes in and hits the pedigree. I did not remember Hunter winning this by thin fall. I always saw it in my mind it was like a DQ or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, plotting match. It was the usual Hunter match, too, where he gets his shit kicked out of him. Gets, like, no offense, really survives and hangs on the crowd was not engaged uh it was long would it was like 19 minutes or something yeah i got it up it was uh i think about 17 minutes i mean besides the rumble it's the longest match on the show uh yeah this gold you know finally a face and what are we back to him having a long stretch of boring offense like the whole reason i was excited for him to turn was okay maybe he can sell and do his quick spurt offense will be more entertaining but now he's right back to controlling a match on offense where it's just not working um yeah it's just a weird structure we needed a hot opener this was not it it was long it was dragging neither guy is over goldus just isn't there yet as a face hunter is is kind of just you know milk toast as a heel the finish is wonky hunter needs help again um i get the goal i think the goal overall is a good one right like long athletic matches with young guys right that's what they're trying to push and do hard hitting competition um, no bullshit, but the, the deliveries is not there. And these are guys that, I mean, we talked about Hunter. He's had a million fucking chances. We've talked about Goldust, Dustin Rhodes. Like he should be able to have a pretty good match here. Like 17 minutes. If this is on, you know, Saturday night in 1994, like this is probably a freaking banger. So like, what are we doing? He's not really beholden, you know, we're enslaved to the Goldust gimmick anymore in the ring. Like that's kind of past us. So um no one was helped in this and we're keeping the feud going we know it continues on for most of the year so it's like what are we doing with this open start so two and a quarter for me um again there was some cromulent stuff but just yeah we needed something hotter i think our next match should have opened the show we'll get to that but oh <laughs> but at least that was like in like, the last sentence <laughs> well, well at least that. the crowd was into that we get the big tables we'll talk about it but at least at least there's some excitement in that match like okay. this was like just like fucking plotting. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was watching this, I kept thinking like there was a good match here, maybe that sometimes tried to fight out, but never happened. Um, I don't know who to blame. Like Goldust wasn't very good on top. I think the best part was the early brawl um, when he uh, uses the ring steps. Uh, that was interesting and showed some aggression. And then he starts targeting Hunter's knee and works on that a little bit on the outside, but then it gets blown off very quickly. I didn't think Hunter on top when he takes over on Goldust was very good. Um, We've been talking about his development. He's been steadily improving. Uh, I thought this was probably like the worst showcase in a while he's looked. Um, It's kind of interesting. He's someone I'd like to track with Dallas Page. Um, cause I think this is, these are two guys like overall 96 kind of rose up from where they were. And, um, it's interesting, like with Dallas just kind of jump started off with the last nitro and 
to me, Hunter had a little bit of a hiccup here. Um, yeah, just overall, not not a very interesting match. The stuff with Hunter and Marlena doesn't hook me at all either. And, uh, you know, Hughes does distract him. So uh, Hunter does get the clean win with the pedigree. Uh, I, I went two and a half. I mean, it was it was it was solid. It just it wasn't wasn't very exciting. wasn't memorable. I, I think they wanted uh, like a very good. Um, you can see how the cards have been structured structured with Marrow versus Austin and Austin versus Hunter. It buried alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they've tried this a few times. Even like the Leaf Cassidy Flash Funk opener at in uh, its time. They, they've tried to have these kind of showcase opening matches, and a couple of them have been good to uh, very good. Probably Austin well, versus compare Maryland. this to like to like a Nitro. Like, what would something like this be like? Arn versus like Jericho or something. You know, not the Hunters on Jericho's level, but he's he's kind of like at this point like a, an up and comer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think you could do like a. I would actually say probably in this position, it'd be more like Jericho versus Benoit or Guerrero. You know, younger guys. Yeah, I, I'm thinking Goldust isn't like super young. It's more veteran. Arn's like kind of washed, but I'm trying to think of someone who's like older or like a veteran guy that you should expect more. I don't want to say like Bobby Eaton, but like Regal, maybe like Regal and Jericho, Regal. something like that. Regal's um, probably your best. And that's probably going three and a half. You know what I mean? Like on a pay-per-view versus this. Like it's just whatever the the mix just isn't working right now. Like everything. And like 17 minutes, like they got plenty of time to tell a story, you know, so it should have been more. Um, Goldos just is yeah. Goldos is a tough wrestler uh, to grade. When's the last good match he's had? Ahmed at King of the Ring, yeah. and even that was like whatever. Yeah, I just, I mean, he's he's like uh this this run is very interesting. It's mm-hmm. you know like I mean, it's how much do you weight it historically? Because he's done so much good, but when you start thinking critically about greatest wrestler ever and all that it's like uh like he de- he definitely has more blemishes like like say what you will about vader in this mm-hmm. run but i think vader's had i mean vader's been in there with Shawn michaels who's better than hunter at this well, Shawn had a couple but, of matches with but um yeah it's just goldust hasn't hasn't done a whole lot he, he certainly hasn't elevated to me like done you could like argue that. he peaked at mania with piper yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean that that was at least heated and different. Um, Ahmed was a good feud. Like I think the Warrior feud was good. The Taker feud was like his feuds were fine. Those bottomed out with with Ahmed. Like, and then he was kind of in that weird Goldust the stuff with Tur- Taker or whatever. Well, the beginning of it was pretty good. Then it just dragged on. Then he was with that weird Mankind love triangle with Sa- uh, Sa- was in Sabu. Sable. Um, that would have been something. <laughs> Sabu may have kind of gold us. Um, so anyway. All right. We've spent enough time on this opening. Bret Hart's in the locker room. He talks about being a marked man. He's already taken too many steps back. So tonight there's no stopping him. There'll be all that's left standing. We then go to the boiler room where Mankind says he wants to hurt a lot of people that he doesn't like. Any uh, comments on those? Nah, they were just kind of your basic like gearing up for the rumble. Yep. Yeah. There's all a couple right. more that have uh, some more memorable moments. Yes. Uh, um, all right. Here we go. Months in the making. Ahmed Johnson oh, taking on Farouk. Uh, Ahmed is finally healthy after all this. Think of how much we've covered since when this feud started. Like, it was at July Raw after International Incident. 
that Ahmed, uh, Farouk debuted and kicked Ahmed. And we were on track for Sean versus Ahmed for the time. Like, that's how much has gone by. And Farouk is in the gladiator costume. Like, there's been a lot has transpired <laughs> before finally getting this match. Uh, we get a massive nation entrance. Just a huge crowd. Like, you get PG-13. You got a, a lady, <laughs> like, dressed up in a, in a suit. Um, you have, like, the usual kind of bodyguard guys. But there had to be, what, like, 12 or 13 people out there, I felt like. It was it was a big crew. Yeah, crowd. probably 8 to 10, I would say. It was, it was definitely an entourage. I liked it because it makes – I know what they were going for, right? It was, like, that kind of Louis Farrakhan feel with all of it. He's kind of got his lawyer and his spokeswoman. And, like, like I think that's what they're trying to go for, just this whole – uh, crew to back him up. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So I actually watched this match with my dad, who you know is very casual. Um, I was watching for a podcast, and he came in, um, and obviously he didn't know what happened. So we were watching it live, pal, and he was like, "Who are all these people in the Nation of Domination?" And I was like, "Well, eventually it'll be you know Rocky, Mark Henry, D'Lo. I right. think was actually out there. I, I think he was one of the guys." But I was like, I, I, I'm not sure. And I was like, PG-13's out there. But, like, besides them, like, so they were very, like, nameless, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I get that. But um, it was a little weird. Like, they has this huge entourage. And besides, like, at this point, I don't even, I mean, they haven't necessarily even named, like, PG-13, like, by name. So it's basically, yeah. like, the, the hype guys, the two white hype guys, Farouk Crush. and Clarence Mason and Crush, yeah. I mean, we had the one guy that got power bombed on the car. Yeah, I mean, he, he made <laughs> the Pearl River uh, mm-hmm. recipient makes a memorable spot yep. in this match, but I have no idea who that was. So it's a little weird. Uh, all right. So they're all let out. We get the history package again during the entrance, which is on Meta Fruit, which I don't mind that approach. Um, like it kind of. Yeah. Gives the entrance. You can take a second. Well, it's a long. I mean, this is a long, like a ramp, long yeah. way. Yeah. So yeah. I actually appreciate them doing it, not doing the package and the long entrance. At least yeah. kind of saving some time. Ahmed gets a big pop. He comes out. Uh, he sprints halfway down. The fight's on. Pretty hot start. He runs Farouk into the post. Is pouring it on. Ahmed grabs a leather belt that crushed through, and he whips Farouk with it. Outside, Ahmed gets tangled with a nation member. Farouk gets a clothesline to take over. It goes after the kidney. Slams on the top of an open chair. That really, like, like for a guy that's had, like, major kidney issues, it felt like a risky move that probably wasn't needed. Uh, Farouk bashes Ahmed in the lower back with a chair. Ross says that the nation now rivals Rhode Island in membership uh, numbers. So, I guess, just under 800,000 people. Farouk sits uh, into a camel clutch, stands over Ahmed's head. Barks at PG-13 for no reason. And that, of course, leads us to the, oh, please, no, electric chair to break it. Just a staple of Farouk in 1997 that we'll see many times. You'd think he would not do it. It's up there with Razor doing the Razor's Edge against the ropes when he always gets backdropped over them. Like, this is, like, why he's obsessed with standing over someone's head and yelling at the, his guys at ringside or the fans for no reason. Yeah. And then, and then please, pleads with the guy not to dip him over. Uh, so anyway, we'll put that on the counter. We'll get the please no counter. Ahmed ca- uh, catches Farouk coming off the middle rope. Hits a power slam. The crowd wakes up. Farouk comes back with a spine buster, but Ahmed quickly uh, battles back, crushing the rest of the nation, come in, and we get the disqualification. Ahmed cleans house. He stalks one of the nation members around the ring. Everyone runs away, and he power bombs them through the French table uh, in a pretty great spot. It's a memorable spot. It's one that they'll re-air for a while. 
Um, it was a crazy power bomb too. He just like almost spins him and lets him go. Mm-hmm. So it looked really cool. And I'm at stands on steps to do it. Um, so he's like up and elevated over the table and just like whips him through it. So it's, it's a cool looking spot. I didn't mind this as a brawl. I had good heat. The fuck finish is fine too, because even though it's been five months, like it's the first time they've really touched hands. You're going to assume they're going to fight again at Mania at this point. So um, this is just to get us going to that point. Ahmed is still really over. Like the crowd was into him and his offense. Farouk is slow and clunky, but at least to the gang backing him up, it adds some chaos in there. Um, and again, I think this should have been the opener because I think you start, the crowd is more into it. It's a quicker brawl. You get the power bomb spot. I feel like at least would have been like an entertaining way to start the show versus just that 18 minute slog. Uh, so I went two and a half on this. I, I was fine with it. I think it, it met enough of the hype, especially given that, you know, Ahmed's not hundred percent healthy. Yeah. Eight forty eight is the time. <laughs> Meltzer says better than expected, then gives it a star and a half. So I don't know what he was expecting. If that's overachieving. Um, I, I went, I went 1.75. I, I didn't, I liked the first like two minutes of this match, and then I liked the brawl at the end. Well, really, Ahmed's table spot. Uh, beyond that, I thought this really like slowed down uh, with Farouk on top, especially the electric chair spot is just so nonsensical i mean it's 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 comedic because of what it's become but i hate it so much i hate it, it then so, i, hate I it mean it, it, yeah. he he literally like straddles his head and then is yelling at somebody in the crowd he's yelling at like, like pg-13 like, he's like direct it's so i scary. thought it was a pg-13 but this time it was like you need to shut your like mouth and pay your oh, respect maybe. to me so i don't know i mean it made no sense it was really bad he it's, does it a lot which is even more annoying he's he starts out wearing them like weird pants too. Then Ahmed rips off. Um, it, it, it's just I don't know. Like I, I think this actually at eight forty eight could have been shaved and been better, especially with the DQ finish. Because I mean, like this this was obviously like step one back, and I think Ahmed's still pretty uh, ginger in how he's you know his mobility and whatnot coming back from the injury. So he's he's not at full speed. Um, I, I'd almost would have liked like a three or four minute really hot brawl <laughs> once Ahmed gets blown let me, up. They can let me ask him. this of you. Yeah. And and it, it, they probably would have gotten shit on for bait and switch. But what if Farouk instead says, you know what, you're going to wait. And he sends PG-13 in the ring. And Ahmed just destroys PG-13. And still power bombs the guy through the table, beats the shit out of them. And then he gets Farouk in the rumble for a minute. Crush pulls him off. So like you're almost building even more heat. I know we've done that a lot to this point, but not Ahmed hasn't been physical. So like him beating the shit out of PG 13 and pinning them stacked up or something, um, throwing a guy through the table and then says, fine, Farouk, I'll get you later tonight. You know? And then like, again, Farouk barely escapes him in the rumble. I think that might could have worked. Um, I mean, the two most memorable things in this match, honestly, is Ahmed hurling Wolfie D mm-hmm. to the floor and then the, the uh, table spot. Yeah. So n- neither of those involves Farouk. I mean, the whole right. police, but that's for bad reasons. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the only uh, thing you can say is maybe at the moment they would have been, oh, it's a bait and switch on it. But yeah. I mean, whatever. Well, we'll get to I mean, this card is littered with crap, like screwy finishes. 
Mm-hmm. Like there, there's only one match that's clean in the whole show, and that's the lucha match. So I mean, and you could have just done Bulldog and Owen versus Furnace and the Fawn, and just had these guys in the Rumble. <laughs> you could have done that. Yeah, could have done that. That's 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 that'd been very easy because you yeah. could have done. I mean, you could have done all that stuff on the outside, like the, during the Rumble. Yeah, during the Rumble. Farouk escape. Farouk throws a guy in Ahmed's way, runs away. Ahmed throws him to the table, and that would have helped. I mean, yeah. to me, that would have helped some of the dead spots in the Roma, which we'll get to. Right. So I, I think that's your plan. Yeah, do Bulldog do. and Owen. And open with Bulldog and Owen versus Furnace yeah. and Fawn. Open the show. Yeah. Yep. There's no reason not to not to have done that. Because you can you can even have Austin come out if you want and, like, really get the crowd going. Like, Austin yep. comes out and attacks Bulldog or something like that. Um, yeah, so that could have been a way. I, I don't see the free-for-all online. I looked quick. So I, I, I know I have it on tape. So okay. at some point, if I could dig out my closet, I'll dig through the crates, uh, right. see if I can find find my Roma 97 tape with the original free-for-all. But if someone has it uh, more easily accessible, I'm thinking Mr. Ryan Everett or, or Rocco or someone has it on tape yeah. somewhere, um, D'Amato, pull it out and let us know if you get the free-for-all. D'Amato digs out the clamshell, uh, <laughs> calls him on video version. Uh, all right, Terry Funk, he's in the locker room. Cuts a very classic <laughs> Funk-style promo, so it's cool to see him. Well, it's – yeah, I mean, this is an interesting timeline promo because mm-hmm. his, like, memorable, like, I'm going to do it my way ECW promo is, I think, like, the weekend – I may have actually aired this weekend. <laughs> so it's right. like you could have had that on Saturday night on ECW TV. Saw his shotgun Saturday night, parents, yeah. and seen this at the Rumble. So, quite and then the Brian Lee match is right around here, too, right? With the yeah, Brian band. Lee's like the next week. Yep. Yeah. So, busy couple weeks with the Funker. Uh, I think <laughs> it was cool when he was on shotgun. Like, I remember watching it and being like, yeah. It's or I remember my buddy Jim telling me about it because, again, I didn't have that Fox affiliate, but he, he saw it and taped it. And I vividly remember where I was. We had to go to, for whatever reason, I don't know what it was for. We went to church. At the church where I went to elementary school and he went and me and him hung out in like the like it was like the overflow area, which was like basically the entrance of the church because it was like 10 a.m. mass, whatever, on a Sunday. It was like packed, you know, so and I remember him telling me about this whole thing. He's like, oh, yeah, Funk was on. It was the day of the rumble we were talking about. It's a Funk was on uh, shotgun and all this stuff and him and Mm -hmm. Austin brawled. And yeah, yeah, it was was pretty cool. And that was in. All right, we're with Todd. He's got his buzz cut, his goatee. Uh, he's with the nation backstage. I feel like we haven't seen Todd in the flesh in a while. I, I was kind of taken aback by his look here. Um, yeah, I've been getting him a lot on Shotgun that I've been watching. So yeah, long. well, he co-hosts that. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Farouk cuts off Clarence Mason. He grabs a random guy and woman and tells him to never walk away while he's fighting. He'll deal with them later. <laughs> Seems a little edgy, like him grabbing the woman was probably unneeded. Uh, Farouk issues a warning to Ahmed for the Rumble match, calls him Uncle Tom, and the nation definitely seems a little shook. Uh, so what do you what do you think of this one? That was okay. I mean, obviously, I think the Uncle Tom's the big uh, racy uh, line there that uh, when they cut back, Ross is like, well, that was too personal and uncalled for. So so they're, I, I think this is just basically going to say, like, this is going to be an angle that's continuing for sure. And uh, threading now. I mean, now you can start thinking like calendar wise. All right, like this is going towards mania. So it's obvious it's going to mania at this point. If they're not going to yeah. end it here, um, yeah. The Uncle Tom thing carries on throughout the year. Um, yeah, that's like a big fruit thing. And this there's a angle. lot for that. Yeah. 
All right, back to the ring we go uh, for our very random match. The Undertaker taking on Vader. Uh, of course, we get uh, talk about uh, Cornette, Jim Cornette being written out when Undertaker tombstone him on superstars. He hasn't been seen since for JR. So Vader's solo here tonight. Saunders out get actually a decent reaction, but Taker gets a really big pop. You get the wind howling through the smoke. They really amped up his entrance here since Survivor Series. Uh, Ross says the Rumble hasn't been great for Undertaker since they debuted. It's often his most challenging event, <laughs> of course. If you think back to John Gonzalez, Yokozuna, um, Diesel screwed him out of the world title. So he's definitely had some I, a big IRS match. Or as I saw in the WrestleCon lineup for uh, Detroit, it's IR Scheister, which made me laugh. <laughs> I've never seen it written that way. Do you, uh, did you say, quick segue that's only going to affect, did you say the price for nails? Is it 80 it's like 70. Is he rare? I mean, I assume, he never, but... this is his first one ever, I think, or he oh, just, okay. it's like a big, yeah, it's actually a big thing oh, okay. for him. To... That's, I, I knew, I knew, I didn't want to speak publicly because I knew there'd be, well, you know, I've never gotten Nels's autograph photo, but, but when I saw that compared to the other, because I think like Luger's 60. It's like, nails oh. are the second most um, expensive. Brett, it was Brett on top and the nails, I think is the second. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, okay. But right. Luger does a shitload of these things. I think that's yeah, I, I know that. But it was he's it was like just, at all of them. I was a little jarred to see Nails right up there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's his first one. I don't think he's ever done one. Okay. So I remember it being like a big deal when he surfaced, or it's a second one, it's something like that. It's rare. It's never <laughs> happened. Really. Um, all right, Vader starts hot with some punches. Taker slugs back at him. He chokes away. They go back and forth with strikes. Vader hits a couple of hard body blocks, but Taker keeps sitting up. They brawl outside for a minute before ambling back in, where Vader goes to the eyes to take over. Taker comes right back with a pair of leg drops, tries to walk the ropes. Vader crotches him. Vader's working over Taker. We go back to Todd in the crowd again. He's talking to Summer Bishop from Minnesota, oh who has saved up all her babysitting money because she follows Shawn Michaels around the country. It's like, why are we taking it away from the matches? I get that they're trying to showcase this huge crowd and like look at what's going on, but like do this between the matches. And this poor girl didn't want to didn't yeah. seem like she wanted to be on camera. Right. Um Said, I was like skipping work or school or something. Well, they said last year, like she came from Alaska to yeah. where was the 96 Rumble, California? Fresno. Fresno, yeah. yeah. So hot down, babysitted this year. Um, yeah, this was dumb. Vader continues to pummel Taker with a slow assault. He goes into a nerve hold. Taker slugs back, gets a back suplex. Vader cuts him down. Vader comes off the middle rope, but Taker catches him to a power slam. Vader bounces back up. It's a power bomb for two. Taker revs up with a flurry, hits a choke slam. His bearer shows up at ringside, like you mentioned. Taker knocks Vader to the floor. He flips outside and slugs Paul Bearer. <laughs> it's a funny spot. <laughs> he acts like he doesn't know he's there. He flips back and just turns and punches him. Uh, Taker shows Bearer in the ring, but Vader saves. He drags Vader to the new French table, but misses a springboard up the steps and bangs into the railing. Barris hits uh, Taker in the head with the urn. King says, <laughs> so he jumps off the apron with the urn yeah. and hits Taker, and he like rolls away. And King says he sacrificed his whole body, and Frost says, that's quite the sacrifice. <laughs> Taker rolls in, but Vader hits a Vader bomb, and guess the, I would say, very surprising, fairly clean win um, over the Undertaker. I, I thought this was shocked. Vader and Paul Barra walk off arm in arm. Taker choke slams the ref and, and destroys some stuff at ringside and yells at Vince. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't mind it. It was a little slow. The strikes were hard hitting. Uh, and spots were good. Both guys steamed a little stuck in first gear. I think there's more here if we get to it. Uh, I thought the finish was a shock. Not just Bearer joining Vader, like that's not as shocking, but Taker getting beat by the Vader bomb is interesting because you're thinking Taker's marching toward Mania. 
He loses here. Um, it was sluggish overall, not a show stealer, but that was fine. So I went two and three quarter. Yeah. But yeah. do you think their intent was like setting up Vader's for a post mania title contender slot, perhaps? Like, what are we, or just trying I don't to read? Re- there was it. a nugget from the, uh, so, so originally, oh, let me scroll down because, because Vader wasn't originally going to be in the final four main event, according to the observer. That was kind of like a, a retcon thing. Um, they, uh, well, wasn't originally Sean, Sean, yeah, Sid, was, Brett, and Austin, it, or whatever? Yeah, it was going to be what they thought were like the four biggest, uh, stars in the promotion right. at the time. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's what that was. Um, I don't know. I mean, this, this seems like a rehab. I mean, I went three stars on this. I actually like this match. I mean, this match gets maligned online. It seems like, like, Dave hates it, gives a star and a quarter, says it wasn't good at all. I mean, I, I don't know what you expect, like, from these guys. Like, they slugged it out. The strikes looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, the pace wasn't atrocious. I thought the pace was actually better than um, the previous two matches. When Farouk was on top and when Hunter was on top, at this point, when Vader was on top the hill in this match, I, I thought it moved along quicker than the, the previous two. So I give that the edge. Uh, Bear is so fat, for lack of a better word. Like his spots look scary. Like mm-hmm. him flying off with the urn and yeah. tumbling to the railing, kinda. I mean, like it, it, it didn't. It looked pretty reckless. Um, him with Vader's an interesting pairing. I, I did kind of. I, I guess mankind was still rocking in the boiler room. Um. Mm-hmm. It seemed a little weird that like Taker would be beating him up, Bear and Mankind didn't care. Yeah, he didn't care. So that was a little odd. But um, otherwise, I, I think of the uh, screwy finishes. We talked about how we rebooked the previous two matches. I think this one's fine to be screwy if you uh, did like the tag team match we talked about as the opener. And um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good slugfest. And these two had pretty good chemistry together. So I went three stars. I like Barrow Vader. I think it adds like a little more darkness to him than Cornette. I think I think Cornette was fine for a while. I just think we're kind of past that like goofy side where Cornette's yelling for Vader. I, I like kind of Barrow being like this dark, sadistic guy with mankind and it makes Vader seem a little more crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm fine with it. I think Vader having him makes sense. So I'm all for a Vader reboot. We've been waiting for him to get on a little tear. So I, I do think my memory tells me this is from here till September is his best stretch best, yeah. that he has. So yeah. I think we'll see if that bears out. Um, I do know they have a rematch on pay-per-view later in the year that I think is even better yeah. than this. So yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see how it holds up. But Yep. All right. So we go backstage. Steve Austin's walking around ranting about the Rumble. <laughs> then we get one of the most famous moments in Royal Rumble or really WF history. Uh, British Bulldog <laughs> is walking from his car. And oh, I, I'm gonna win tonight's Royal Rumble because I'm bizarre. And like it is, anyone who knows anything about wrestling, it is in a kind of any online forum anytime. And knows the I'm bizarre. Oh, I forgot this happened there. Um, yeah. I mean, why? What? I mean, why did he say that? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like someone asked him why. <sighs> Fuck, I don't. I'm trying to remember. Um, I feel like I read something. Um, that. So yeah. 
I mean, he comes out of the car waving to the fans <laughs> like this is obviously like pre-show. He's like, "Who's going to win the rumble?" And everybody's like, eh. and then he's like, "Because I'm a what? It almost makes me think he didn't know he was being recorded. Like, like, like this is fucking around. Cut. He's going to win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, the British Bulldog. I've got a history in Royal Rumbles, and tonight I'm going to remake history by winning this night's Royal Rumble tonight because I'm bizarre. <laughs> None of him. He said Royal Rumble nine times in like six seconds. I'm going to win this. Who says this night's Royal Rumble? Because I'm bizarre. It's like, what does that even mean? Like, like gold dust Mike could say that, or you know anybody British Bulldog cut he's gonna win the Royal Rumble yeah the British Bulldog I've got a history in Royal Rumbles and tonight I'm gonna remake history by winning this night's Royal Rumble tonight because I'm bizarre <laughs> This night's where I rumble tonight. Like, it just makes none of it makes any sense. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, It's an all time. It's an all timer. I mean, it's an all. It's an all time moment. Um, He's got some good ones in the stretch. Oh yeah, he is one of my favorite guys in in 1997. We're gonna. I'm gonna love watching him because he is just like a fucking nut all year. Like, especially once the Har Foundation starts, and he's just like a goof with Owen. There's so many good things with him. Like. I can't wait. Revenge of the Taker when they do the double take after they beat up Austin is like one of my favorite moments. Them arguing uh, for Pillman to be in his corner, like all this, all that stuff. <laughs> Him beating the shit out of Shamrock with the fucking chair with the dog food. Like we got so many good British Bulldog moments to come in '97. This was a uh, this was Grooney energy for me. <laughs> it was big Grooney. All of '97 Bulldog is very big Grooney energy. I think. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, let's get to our next match <clears throat> after the bizarre moments. Uh, I mean, like I said, it caught me off guard. I didn't, I didn't know this was. Oh, you didn't remember it being there? No. I, so when he came, you remember out, him talking about tonight's Royal Rumble? This night's Royal Rumble tonight. I, 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 I just remember the I'm bizarre. I didn't know exactly when it happened. And so this when he night, came out, this the, night's Royal Rumble tonight is almost worse yeah, than bizarre. It's yeah. Like, yeah. When, when he came out of the car, I was like, oh, okay, and I was like, you know, like kind of. I was paying attention, but it was caught off guard. And then, uh, and then, as he started walking into the arena, I was like, "Oh, this, this is this is pop Pop still watching with you during this promo? No. <laughs> Thankfully, he uh, he did enjoy gone. Taker versus Vader, but that was his <laughs> main did. event for the night. <laughs> he didn't all make right. it. Uh, all right, six man action. We got El Canek, Hector Garza, and Pero Guayo taking on Fuerza Guerrera, Heavy Metal, and Jerry Estrada. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you, if you went just by commentary, you would have no clue who the fuck was who. Like, I'm trying to, I don't always watch fully when I'm doing like the play by play notes. I don't know how you are, right? I go off the commentary a lot on stuff and I'm kind of glancing. So, this was a fucking debacle trying to keep track of who was in the ring because they were all over the place. And it was like, I had to, wait, that's not Carrera. Wait, that's not Estrada. Like, it was very much like, if you didn't know who these guys were, I don't know how you kept track. Yeah, I think this is one of the weird things. Uh, we'll touch on this now because Dave had a, like a paragraph on it in his write-up for this match. This is one of these weird things that, like, I think, again, in 1997, I, like, got retconned that now I don't get. So he says this. He says, the announcers gave this match tons more respect than WCW would have, but they also didn't have a Mike Tanay who had a clue of more than a few facts about the guys. I agree with that. Uh, But this couldn't hold a candle to the Mexican matches in WCW. Vince McMahon was particularly bad, although he didn't treat it with disdain like WCW announcers like Dusty Rhodes and Bobby Heenan have. 
but came up and mixing up Estrada and Meadow. I, I mean, I, I, I never thought like that Dusty especially has been mm-hmm. like, if anything, he like kind of. He's like learning. He's trying to learn it. So I don't know if Dave took that as disrespectful, like almost like he's being disingenuous, but I don't feel that way. That that whole, that whole paragraph I thought was weird just because, yeah, like I did want to see, I thought Ross and he had a few like facts. I don't know. I don't know who prepped him for this kind of like the old, uh, you Kevin, know, maybe I'll have to ask Kevin. Maybe Kevin helped. I him don't out. know. I doubt yeah. it, was, uh, it was probably somebody like George and Adam <laughs> uh, or Roy, Roy Lucy or whoever may have gave him some notes, crib notes. So, yep. The uh, I get what he's saying a little bit by them giving him more respect because at the time, the big criticism of WCW was that they would talk about everything else during these matches, right? But I don't think you and I have picked up on that yet. I feel like that's more to come. Um, but they do talk about the match during this match. I think that's what Vince is, uh, Dave is saying, that they at least were calling it as a match, whereas on Nitro or whatever else, they talk about other shit as the match is a backdrop. Yeah, we talked, I mean, I think the past Nitro was the best example of that, but I think mm-hmm. we talked about how, like, I mean, that may be TV, but I, I do believe on pay-per-view they've been pretty honed in. So yeah. we'll see. Maybe was freshening his head off of that Nitro that they weren't Maybe. calling it. All right, both teams hit the ring. The crowd is dead. Um, we talked about this, but Garza was Vic Venom's big Rumble pick. Uh, he's not even in the Rumble. <laughs> he's in this match instead. I, and I'll say this. like, I don't know why he wasn't in the Rumble. Like To me, he at least was a young dude that could fly a little bit. Like, Why not have him fly around the Rumble match instead of this, where he's kind of buried with these six guys? I, I'm wondering if they were thinking about potentially signing him because they do talk about him the most in all this and kind of give him the most shine. So I wonder if he was on their radar as someone that they were going to try and bring in. Um, I know he shows up on in WCW a little while later. Yeah. I don't know if it's 97 or 98 when he shows up, but um, yeah, I don't, it seems like they were focusing on him quite a bit because even JR is talking him up. Him and Guerrero start off silence. Uh, heavy metal comes in. He throws down with Estrada. Ross gives some history. They're chopping and, and they're kind of flopping around in slow motion. Really. Aguayo gets thrown to the floor. Uh, teases a plancha. Vince is, is doing all he can to will the excitement into this from the crowd, but they're, they're asleep. Like he's like, he's in full overhype mode. He's probably stewing inside as the crowd is like snoozing. He probably get convinced to put this on here is my guess. And he probably wanted nothing to do with it because, and he was, he was probably seething as it was happening. It's <laughs> like, you know, oh, they told me that I need to have this match and the crowd would be into it and they don't give a fuck and it's dead silence. And um, that you kind of feel like him trying to just urge the crowd to get into it. Connect and Guerrero reset. Ross talks about the mass culture. He struggles a bit. Vince asks for more info, and he kind of taps out on giving it. Connect uh, gets a high cross body. He floats away. We start again with Garza and Estrada. Ross says Connect has, has a win over Luthez. The younger guys are kind of speeding things up. There's a zero interest. The crowd, uh, JR's trying to, to hype this. Aguayo comes in. He tags right out to Connect. Uh, Ross calls him Fuera Guerrero as this ambles on. <laughs> We rotate through some guys, uh, miss strikes, some strikes land, Aguayo teasing dives, doesn't do them. The announcers are hyping up Garza. Vince keeps mixing up heavy metal and Jose and um, Jerry Estrada. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garza hits a top rope plancha to Estrada, back inside Aguayo, hits a top rope double stomp, and just no pop at all. Uh, th- I thought this stunk. Um, <laughs> they could have had a show stealer with all the, the Lucha guys they had up and down on the free-for-all and everything else. 
<clears throat> excuse me, they had the potential to have a show stealing match, light the crowd up. This just put him into a coma. It was slow, disjointed. Uh, Ross felt like he was trying to teach Vincent King, but he was trying to fake it. Like it almost felt like a job interview where Ross is like trying to pretend he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Um, it felt like they were in an empty arena, even though there's supposedly 60,000 people there. Just yeah. the right idea. I'll give him credit. I think it was the right idea, but complete wrong execution. It just does not resonate. I went two stars. I, I think it's a sloppy clusterfuck. Yeah. And there had to be a better way to do this. Yeah. I think uh, I went two stars too. I, I think the move, and they go more towards it uh, later on in the year, but it's only after ECW starts at first. I think the move here was to go with Michinoku Pro. Um, I don't know who was in Vince's yeah. ear to bring. I mean, I, I it's obvious, like, they wanted the Hispanic, like, crossover, right? Well, two but things. They started working for WCW, here. and someone's like, oh, they're doing it, and it's hot on that yeah, show. That's and, and coming to San Antonio – because yep. if you look when they started doing it, it was that December taping. Yep. So they knew they were going to have a month and a half or whatever to build um, because it started its time with Pierre Roth and Cibernetico. Um, yep. And it's just been a disaster of a deal. So, so I mean, uh, Pero Aguayo, I think in particular, watching him here, it feels a lot like Tenru in uh, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 7 or Rumble 94. I mean, like, Tenru's legitimately like a top 10 wrestler of all time for me. So this is like not as bad as like, okay, him having this like stinker of a match on a WWF pay-per-view. But I mean, Perro's in my top 100. He's a great brawler, but he's someone that has a amazing connection with the uh, crowd in Mexico, uh, both for uh, CMLL and Triple A when he was with them. And it was really that crowd connection and the brawling and all that, like, that was for, like, he's not a high flyer, as you saw here. He's like an old, grizzled, you know, badass, kind of like a bandito character um, that uh, works, but not in this setting. And Kinect is ancient here. I I mean, he's in his mid-40s, so he's old. He's washed. Um, he he wasn't exactly no great shakes even in his prime. Like there's stuff with him and Andre that's okay, but not spectacular. Um, and then you had the the Rudo side, which is Jerry Estrada, Heavy Metal, and Fraser Guerrero. Those guys can bump and move, but they just they didn't have nothing here. Like you said, it was very disjointed. Um, the crowd was completely dead. I, I think this is one of those that uh, it just it just was a disaster all around and really affected any hope of these guys going forward with WWF. I don't know how much they had in mind after this, but this kind of squashed it for good, for sure. Oh, it's done. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the next time they try this, it's, I mean, we'll see there's a smattering through 97 and then throwing shit against the wall. Like I I think everyone remembers the lightweight stuff coming in the fall into the winter, but through the summer, they bring in some random guys and they try and get it back going again. Um, But even then when they do the lightweight, they bring in some Michinoku Pro, but a lot of it ends up being more ground-based, like later on, like Brian Christopher and stuff. Like they, they're much yeah. Scott Blitzky. Like they're a lot more grounded versus high flying. Um, this is a bomb. There's no way around it. I, I don't know how to have saved it. Like maybe someone from one of the guys that worked the, the free for all against Garza or something. Like I, I don't know what else could have worked, but yeah, I um, mean, per- so probably Paro Guayo and Connect just don't need to be in the match. Like yeah. you, you should just sub them for. Uh, 
I mean, hypothetically, Actually, they, they should have done the minis. Per will put them to them or I mean, Perro Junior was yeah. dynamic at this point, and Abismo Negro. You could have done that. Never been better, but yeah, I mean, just don't have the three starter matches. So get that out of the way. I I did I done like the minis on the pre-show, and then this, and that's your two like lucha matches. So it's still and throw fresh. a couple of the other guys in the rumble if you want, like whatever. Yeah. Take out there's guys you could take out, fake razor, I and mean, right there's dudes you can knock out of there and yeah, um, stick a couple of the lucha guys in. But as you could as we'll see, like that didn't move the needle anyway. The guys that were in there, so no, uh, yeah, this was this was bad. Um. I, I mean, I, I I like most of these guys like a lot. At Fuerza Guerrero, obviously that's that's a that's who he's dad. He's um he's an interesting guy like on the uh, PWO side of things because mm-hmm. he gets some play like on Greatest Wrestler Ever, and I like him a lot. I've I've never thought of him at quite that level. Um, he's probably like a top two hundred or two fifty guy for me. So I mean, I, that's still high considering how many right. wrestlers you've seen, but. But yeah, he's he's an interesting guy, and Jerry Estrada can do some like sick bumps, so so he can be fun too. So, but yeah, this was just not it. <laughs> if, mean, if, uh, if you want, if you want to watch these guys, watch uh, watch like '95 Triple A, like a good right. trios with Rey Mysterio and Psychosis or somebody like that involved, and then for Paraguayo, watch him versus Sangre Chicana from 1986. I mean, it's just it's just crazy, like. He looks so old and decrepit here, and it's like, I mean, he's had five star matches in my mind, just but they're all bloody, hate filled brawls, and this was none of that. So, Fuera Guerrero didn't do it for you. <laughs> La Fiera Guerrero. No. Fuera Guerrero. Uh, the uh, the referee of this match was Heavy Metal's dad, which is yes, I think they point that out. Pepe, Casas. Uh, they should have, um, yeah. They really just got fucked, right? Conan kind of just booked all the other guys, and that was it, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, so they 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 were limited on who they could use. I mean, they they had guys to use. This just again, this is just like the wrong the wrong time to do it, and the wrong guys in this pairing. I'll tell you, they do what what they do in a few weeks is the move, right? They tap into the hot promotion, which is ECW. Right, we see we start to see them like we're we're a month away from them being in in the Manhattan Center, right? That's hot. Now you got you got Taz on your show, you got Sabu on your show, Ravens. Like all of a sudden, like these are the dudes the underground's talking about. But you're not going to do that in San Antonio, right? So it's like, you know, I get, I guess I get it, but I think they figure it out at least then a month from now. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think if they did mention Oku Pro and mm-hmm. did it cold and had them come out there, and they really did some of those. I mean, because in '96, like the multi-man matches, like Triple A has a decent year in 96, but I mean, Michinoku Pro, and especially their multi-man matches, is some of the best multi-man matches ever at the tail end of 96. Um, Even if they have, like, the barely legal match, like, they have that on this show. Yeah, the (laughs) all-timer. I mean, that was, well, their first appearance on ECW is what? I think it's early March. Yeah, Yeah. it's coming. Yeah, And then barely legal. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna front run ECW on that. They just weren't. <laughs> Wasn't gonna happen. Um, I'm surprised they didn't try and work a deal to show up right after that. Like that, it takes till July to bring them in. But yeah, they're a little they're a little lagged on that. But yeah. yeah. All right, Vince uh, hypes up the next in your house. It's on February 16th from Chattanooga. 
home of, of course, Ben Zani. I don't think he was there yet, though. No. Uh, the Fink then announces our attendance for the show, 60,477, Chad. And this is where we'll stop for a sec. And uh, you get some notes from Uncle Dave. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, so so this is, I mean, this whole business and the promotion of this show is very interesting. So, because in the promotion, they'd been talking about the 71,000 mark, and they don't hit that here. Uh, it is a legitimate 60,477 in the building. It's actually 60,525. Oh, um, they shorted it. <laughs> they, they, I guess they found a few, few more fans at the end. Uh, but 60,525 total 48.014 paid. Uh, the gate is 480,000. So, I mean, that's it's one of those gates that. It's a very large gate, like the previous uh, gate in Texas history. Like it broke, it broke wrestling Texas right. gate history. Previous was. Uh, do you want to guess? I bet you can guess it. Think about Texas wrestling history. What do you think the previous? Is it Flair gate? and Von Erich. Yep. So that was the previous one that had thirty-two. So so again, like think about it. They had sixty thousand fans in the building, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it drew four hundred and eighty thousand. Okay, Flair and Von Erich had thirty-two thousand fans, so almost half, and it drew four hundred and two thousand. So you can see, and like, that's fifteen years earlier, right? Like money-wise, value-wise, nineteen eighty-four. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. So so the reason the reason they got this, and I'll just read from Meltzer here. Um. So uh. Paying $480,013, all figures topping even optimistic company expectations a few days before the show. In the final few days, they sold 20,000 tickets. Jeez. Mainly at $5 and $7 with discount coupons from Taco Bell that, according to locals, were being picked up as Brilliant move by Sean King. Yes. So the only larger paid attendance for a show in the United States was Hulk versus Andre, 78-93, whatever. Um, so that's the only, up to this point, that's the only largest paid attendance. Like that's total, crazy. like they hadn't, no other wrestling show had drawn more than 60,000 fans except that one in the U.S. Uh, now, WWF also had topped the $48,000 mark with uh, three other shows outside of the U.S., two in Canada, which we know about, Hogan versus Warrior, WrestleMania Six, Hogan versus Paul Orndorff at Exhibition, is it that right, Exhibition Stadium or whatever, mm-hmm. and then uh, SummerSlam 92 as well. The 1992 WrestleMania at the Hoosier, Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis uh, drew 62-167, which was slightly more than the Alamo Dome show, but the paid attendance was less because uh, that one was even more paper than this one. Uh, tickets were scaled much higher at the Hoosier Dome, and the gate was nearly triple the Alamo Dome gate. Though. So they got $1.5 million for the WrestleMania 8, around there. The large attendance was fueled by numerous fans getting in as cheap late walk-up buys, which wasn't the case at similar attended shows around the world. Uh, for example, the New Japan Tokyo Dome show, the bottom price was $50, although for years it was 30 And even at WrestleMania three in 1987, the bottom price for tickets was $9. So a decade earlier, the bottom price was $9. A lot of people had 5 or $7 tickets right here. Uh, the actual gate wasn't even in the top echelon for uh, in the United States and actually trailed live gates that several major offices routinely do for major indoor arena shows. 
but it did break the Texas record, which I talked about. So, so that it's it's interesting there that um. I wonder if this you is the Sean. Yeah, go. I'm sorry. Well, it's just like on one hand, it's like, did they draw a lot of people in this building? Yes, but what was it's it still for? a success for them at this stretch? I mean, think of the barns they've been fucking running throughout '96. Yeah. So to still bring in half a mil at the gate is pretty going to be pretty big for them throughout this year. I mean, when like you named all those ones, was eight the last one that was this big for them? I mean, that's that's pretty good. Well, if they went five, some '92s after that, but same year. I'd, I mean, I'd, 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 I'd be interested. Well, I'd be interested, like, I would like to see what the gate for something like SummerSlam 94 was. Because mm. I could bet that gate might actually beat this, even in the United Center. But we'll see. I mean, I think yeah. it's definitely bigger than, I mean, 95, you look at the arenas they ran. Yeah. And I mean, even 96. In, What's the biggest they ran in 96? In Anaheim? Ninety six, but I'm sure that gate was Cleveland. bigger than this. Game. Yeah, but I'm sure. I mean, this is a big. It's a big number for them. Either way, it's a big number for them. Even though they I had a paper. Quantity I, to me, the quantities. I mean, obviously, like they're not going to sniff at four hundred eight thousand. There is. A, I did watch the ninety seven timeline, and what did Cornet, Cornet gives? Like how much the rent was? I think it was like a hundred thousand or something like that. A generic one. Um. So so he does he does give like what the number was twenty five thousand hundred thousand something like that he he, right. he has the actual booking book which is pretty cool, um so of course like with Cornette take it with a grain of salt but I mean he's reading from the booking book I wouldn't think he right was and he had the legit number <laughs> here so right yeah it's interesting I mean it's one of those it's like did they get a lot of people here yeah did they um I mean. I don't know. They don't. They don't necessarily come back here very often. Um, so I don't know how many like fans they gained from the show. And Dave talks about that. I mean, obviously, like I don't know who his uh, boots on the crown reporters were, but he said like the consensus was that uh, people were happy that Sean wins the main event. But you know, overall, we're like, okay, like it was almost well, like you think- know. Marvel came to town. We saw it, and now what's going on? Yeah, it was a spectacle thing for the night, right? I think part of it is probably there was probably a lot of local hype with Sean, right? We know he did that party on Monday. He was probably doing other shit around town that week, right? So you get the local boy that's probably in the news. Hey, tickets are cheap, last minute. As we learned, San Antonio is a very walkable town. So it's like when they say walk up, it's probably legit walk up. Like there's probably people were hanging out downtown. And the news ticker runs, or there's something dry. It's like, oh, hey, five dollar tickets for the Dirty F tonight. Shawn Michaels, hometown boy, going for the world title. You want to walk over? Yeah, let's go. Like, like it, you didn't have to. It wasn't a big. Oh, we got to drive forty minutes. Park is crazy. Like, I mean, you know, you could literally. We walked there from our hotel, right? And we weren't close. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you could walk. You could literally walk up. So I'm thinking that was probably a big part of their late draw was that mm-hmm. people could just walk over and walk into the building without a problem right so it was probably just right town right place for them to get that level of last minute build um all right so let's go through the rumble here we'll do kind of maybe 10 guys at a time you think yeah pause there okay all right uh the fink runs down the rules we get the nation's domination theme crush is our number one he's got the troops with him and of course ahmed johnson's number two Ahmed slowly stalks out. Uh, their brawling crush is going after the kidney. Razor Ramon, in what I believe is his final appearance at last, oh, is in at number three. Uh, very soft booze. I think he's done here. 
here's the gaff you're talking about was clock problems. So we get no countdown, no music yeah. Yeah. Uh, for him. That makes the reaction even worse because he just shows up. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if, you know, it was already going to be bad anyway for Razor, but. Forgot to mention that. So the Lucha match also, like, uh, one thing Dave mentions is, like, it wasn't on the big screen. They were having – that may have been arena problems. That sounds like it. Right. Like the, so, like, a lot of people couldn't even see it. <laughs> couldn't right. even see the match. So that screwed it That up. didn't help the crowd there. Yeah, and then here, again, Razor gets nothing. Just yeah, I mean, Razor, it's – you can tell, like, they're done with Razor because he uh, gets no reaction and then – Ahmed throws him right out. Right out. Yeah. Uh, Crush uh, and Ahmed uh, take uh, more time beating on each other. Ahmed then suddenly. Awful. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, he's he could. Good. He tries. At one point, he tries like a belly to belly and he gets like no, nowhere. Yeah. No, he's Poor not much. Ahmed suddenly turns around uh, and jumps over the top. And we see that Farouk oh. is in the aisle and chases Farouk away. So Ahmed is out. Um, I thought this was a tough loss early in this match. Like Ahmed's one of the few guys that are super over. Now we're not even going to get him and Farouk again touching. Um, you know, he's stupid. Yeah. He limit like I at least have Ahmed turn and crush throw him out, right? At or, least like do or, that. Even like Farouk get on the something. Yeah. I mean, King yeah. immediately calls him an idiot. And if you're watching right. this, you're like, yeah, I mean, that was very dumb. Like, right. Right. Well, I mean, go go under the ring. Like he didn't have to fly off the top yeah. over the top rope like anything but that. Like yeah, you, slide you, under the rope. Yeah. Yeah. That's stupid. It's awful. Yeah, he needed something more needed to happen to get him out. Dumb, dumb uh, baby faces are a, a big, big heel. I mean, so uh, well, we'll get to this, that's not the only self-elimination in this match, too, which is no. also a problem. That's, this well, is the first. The other one's an all-timer. Uh, all right. Number four is Phineas. Billy Jim brings him out. Uh, the clock is still busted as yeah. the glass breaks, so the music is at least back. And out comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's kind of a slow ebb of a pop, but I like it. It's like a slow roar as people realize it's him. Uh, so he's in at number five. Uh, he gets knocked down as soon as he gets in the ring. Uh, but then he gets back up. He takes out Crush. Um, Phineas gets dumped out. Uh, I'm sorry, Crush crushes out. Phineas turns and walks into a stunner. Mm -hmm. Austin flings him out. Um, Bart is number six. Austin beats the shit out of him. So his night's quick. Yeah. Austin sits on the turnbuckle. This is the infamous. He's looking at his watch, yep. which he doesn't have. Uh, the clock is back to count us down. In comes Jake the Snake at number seven. Um, I like that it's him because there's some nice bookend to like Austin's initial rise versus I think you and I would agree. This is the moment he becomes like a main event stars this match. Yep. Um, so Jake being a guy that's part of that is cool. He lasts about a minute. Austin throws him out. British Bulldog, the bizarre one is in at number eight. Again, pretty good booking. Uh, these guys have been feuding. Bulldogs all over him. Pure off is into number nine. More silence. Nobody cares. Vince, uh, which I don't know if he meant this in a positive way, but it makes Doc Hendricks like an idiot. He said Piroth is one of Doc Hendricks' top ten choices to win the Rumble. Big <laughs> <So he made laughs> Venom, like who are they predicted here? Austin and Bullock actually work together a little bit. Uh, the Iron Sheik leads out Sultan at number ten. Ross is wondering where Bob Backlund is. Mm -hmm. He may have actually made this entertaining. He's not here with us tonight. Well, so uh, there, I, I gotta. There's actually a reason for that. I don't right, know if they knew or not, but well, on Shotgun, they cut, you know, they're in Texas, right? Right. Uh, and Backlund is in New York. 
because he oh he, like, he missed the show was in there. New York, so they like cut to him in New York, and he's like, "I'm here. Where's everybody at?" And they're like, "We'll be there next week, you dummy!" And all this. That was it. Uh, yeah. So made him want to fly. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Oh, you think you want to go back, San Antonio? Last time he was there was uh, Survivor Series '94. Yeah. Big, tell big you. night for him. Yeah. Um. So no Bob, sadly. Uh. Any other comments on the first ten before we move along? No, I mean, like, obviously, like, it's it's real bad till Austin comes in. Austin saves it, and it's yeah, entertaining. Yeah. The stuff with Jake was fine. Like, Jake's in his uh, – Jake wasn't wearing his T-shirt tonight, so that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. A little, I think this he, is it for Jake, too, honestly. I think he might be done yeah, here. Yeah, um, so uh, – yeah. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know if you want to eulogize him at all. He hasn't added a ton lately. I, I liked no. him in the beginning. I think, you know, we talked about him as a job guy to kind of bring in as a name. Like, I think he was fine up until King of the Ring. Um, you know, I'll say the, this for, I mean, Jake was pretty selfless even when he was at his most popular and not picking up many wins that yeah. he should have. Uh, but he was definitely giving to like Austin here. Um, yeah. Throughout this, and time. even I liked him in this part of the Super Friends against Camp Cornette. Like he was good in that. Him and Ahmed and Yoko. Like we kind of liked that little trio. Yeah. Um, King of the Ring was fine. It really wasn't until the King feud when things kind of went downhill uh, that kind of killed yeah. him. But uh, so anyway, I'm pretty sure he's done. I don't. I don't think we see him again. Bulldog almost throws out Austin. Piroth tries to fight off the Sultan. Mill Maskris is in at eleven. The crowd wakes up a little bit from Mill. He goes right at Sultan. Out comes Hunter Harris Helmsley. He's got no uh, no Hughes with him. He's at number 12. Sultan gets thrown out just as Owen Hart and his slammy come in at 13. Owen goes right after Austin. Bulldog is tied up with Hunter. Bulldog has Austin on the ropes. Owen comes over, but he knocks Bulldog out instead of Austin. <laughs> Bulldog is yelling at Owen before he gets dragged to the back. So he's an idiot. <laughs> <You're> an idiot. <laughs> uh, so I'll say this. Like, one of my main um, issues with this yeah. match is I think they misuse a lot of talent. Like yeah. it gets dark quick in here. And I think there's a bunch of guys that could have used better. So two yeah. so far, Ahmed and Bulldog, right? Yeah. Like th- they could have been done more in this match, right? So so Bulldog's already gone. I mean, Bulldog, Bulldog could legit be like a final four. He's getting a big push. He's in a rival with Austin. Like, yeah, like yeah, he's gone. I know they want to do this essentially with him and Owen, but we didn't have to do it already. Yeah, <laughs> could have done it later. It was a little. It was bizarre. <laughs> was very bizarre. And this, I'm trying to think back to now entering the Rumble. Um, I feel like Owen. Like we'll talk about it too. Like this is not a good run for like this match either. Like he gets a lot of time but doesn't do a lot. Yeah, he's uh, not too active. Mascaris is 58, by the way. So. I mean, it's nothing now. It's like the average main eventer. <laughs> Goldust is in at 14. He goes right at Hunter. Uh, Austin comes in to fight him off. JR notes this is Goldust's first Rumble match, which is true. He's He's been around. Uh, he obviously wasn't I mean, in the 96 yeah. match. One, one year? So. Oh, 91. And <laughs> Dustin Rhodes wasn't in 91. Either. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cibernetico is in at 15. Ross mm-hmm. tells us he's only 20. He goes right after Mascaris. Uh, just a lot of basic Rumble shit. Uh, Mark yeah. Merwin Sable are in at 16. Uh, Cibernetico and Piroth get thrown out back to back. And then Mil Mascaris goes to the top rope. And dives into Pierroth on the floor and eliminates himself to booze. He tries to get back in the ring, and they say he's confused. He doesn't understand. Um, I remember, I think it's Brett or Foley. One of them in their book, I think it's Foley in his book, says he didn't want to get eliminated. He didn't, oh, he yeah. didn't want to look weak. So, so I mean, like, 
this is one of these rumbles that I think, again, in retrospect, it's interesting to see who's in the ring more now than like mm-hmm. in 1997. I mean, you had Maskers and Austin in the ring at the same time. That legitimately is like two of the top 20, 25 performers in wrestling history as far right. as a drawing standpoint, which is odd. To, you know, I mean, that doesn't happen a lot that two out of 25 share the ring, um, especially these two. But yeah, I mean, Maskers is notoriously very selfish, and um, this was—I mean, I'm sure he—I don't—I don't know. I mean, I guess they wanted him in, thought he might could, you know, draw up some whatever. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this is dumb. I mean, I mean, he saying he doesn't understand the rules. I—I I don't know. I don't understand how that makes him look worse than if Austin throws him out. Like, I mean, so you're an idiot. Like, I, I, I mean, language barrier, right. I guess, but. Yeah, and and I mean, this is the second person that's done that in this match. So, yep. and we're still not done. <laughs> All right, Goldust, Goldust easily slugs out Hunter. So again, that felt like Hunter's a guy we got to get more out of. He's your IC champ. I know you want Goldust to get revenge, but he's out in like yeah, five minutes in, a, in middle way through. That that felt rough, and that I I get why they wanted these guys in to like up the star power of the match overall. But it felt like, oh, we got to do that to like mm-hmm. retcon what happened in the opener, and it was like, nah, didn't really have to. So, I, I didn't Owen uh, hits Austin with Enziguri. Lover is in at seventeen. He gets the opposite of a reaction. <laughs> just complete silence. Mero dropkicks Goldust. He staggers until Owen just kind of pushes him out. That was kind of botched. So now Goldust gets the big elimination, and then Mero, who's been nothing, eliminates him. They've been kind of working together. Like that made no sense. Uh, Farouk is in at 18. He throws a lat lover right on his ass. Comes Ahmed Johnson uh, with a two by four. Farouk <laughs> runs around like Red Fox. <laughs> he's, he's running around the ring like that as uh, Ahmed knocks him out to a pop. So again, a hot moment, but like Ahmed should have been in all this time and him and Farouk go at it. And then like Ahmed throws Farouk out and then he eliminates himself. Maybe yeah. that could work too. Like he's not done with him. He, that was his job to eliminate well, Farouk. And I now mean, we're gonna Farouk basically off. jumps over himself too here. I yeah. mean, he kind of has the shot, but it's like, yeah. here we go. It's like, I mean, Elizabeth, I'm coming. Yeah, that's what it felt you know, like. like I mean, by this point, they've established like you win this match, you're going to the main event at mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Like, yeah. like personal vendetta aside, mm-hmm. you need to this 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 should be your main focus. So to have these guys. Like practically three out of thirty, like ten yeah. percent of this these competitors eliminated themselves in this match. Like it's dumb, it's awful. So I mean, and now we get another guy. We have Ahmed, we had Goldust, we had Hunter, we got Farouk that are mm-hmm. like minutes long in the ring. You know, yeah. Um, Austin throws it uh, Owen and Marrow. So again, two guys that could have done something. Do not, you know, they're out right away. Savio comes in at 19. Austin throws him right out. Jesse James is in at 20. Austin throws him out. So he's alone through these next after he throws. Yeah, I did, uh, I did like Savio. Like mm-hmm. he's he's alone. Like you well, you see Owen and you don't see Owen and Marrow get eliminated right. at first. That's right. that's a, a little bit of a technical problem. But Austin's alone. I did like Savio come out. We get Vince saying Savio Vega. Um, but, yeah, but that was nice. They brought up their feud and then mm-hmm. Austin. I mean, this again shows Austin's progression. Like he feuded with Roberts and Vega. Yeah, and I like now he's able to handle both 
in right. like three minutes combined. Yeah. So yeah, I like that they brought them both in for him. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we get the big moment here. We get a yeah. massive pop as Bret Hart is in at twenty-one. Austin's looking down as the big bug eyes as Bret comes yeah. out. That's probably you know a pretty infamous moment. Uh, Bret and Austin are throwing down. Bret cuts through him and goes to the sharpshooter. Number 22 is Jerry the King Lawler. He's all smiles and smug. Uh, he disrobes at ringside. He says it takes a king or whatever, and he gets in the ring. Uh, Brett releases the hold. He turns and slugs King with an uppercut. King goes right up, ass over, you know, tea kettle out of the, over the top to the floor. Um, and then King gets back on the thing. To know a king, he finishes what he was saying. He calls Brett a big jerk uh, for doing that. Uh, again, I, Again, like, it's a fun callback to their feud. Uh, and I like it's a fun moment. Like, Law is just a pass to Brett. <laughs> I like this. Um, I mean, this was like corny uh, comedy stuff, but but this this one I like, um, especially the way King plays it. Like, because he he uh, essentially plays it like he doesn't remember being in there. Like, yeah, he yeah, gets yeah. not loopy. It's it's like a. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's happened to me. Like when I've done so, I think I told the story on air, but like, uh, when I did the softball and I fell and tripped yeah. and kind of, you know, was winded a little bit and hustled back to the dugout. And you're like, what happened? Did I run? Did I, you know, you get, you get that moment. So I mean, geek do that. It was, it was comedic for sure. Um, and this also starts, I mean, from Austin on, you can read down who comes yeah. in the ring here. Now it picks up right. this. I mean, 21 through 30, I mean, in 1997, it's a nice, like, arsenal of guys. If you look at it from the history of pro wrestling in, like, the last 50 years, this 21 through 30 is a Flash Funk and a Hank Godwin away from being, right. you know, eight out of the most hundred important guys in U.S. wrestling, or maybe 50 most important guys in U.S. You can even sneak King in at 22. I mean, That's well, I'm saying. Yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. from Brett on. Brett yeah, Brett on. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One on. Yep. Yeah, because you even got Kane. I mean, you know, he's yeah, yeah. I mean, he turns into Kane. So yeah, right. I'd say I mean, so maybe if you sneak Owen in later, you know, instead of Hank or whatever, and Goldust yeah. or Bulldog in there, you know, you're, yep, yep. You know, you're talking. Um, I think what they could have done is because we don't need those guys now. Goldust, Mero, uh, Ahmed, Farouk, like those guys should have been Hunter should have been in the top six, seven, and they should have stayed. I know you wanted Austin running through guys. I would have had Austin be number one. And I would have had, uh, I know they had just done Sean for number one, or maybe he's two or th- whatever it is, four. Um, but then you go like. Two. They haven't had anybody win from two yet. Right. So he's two, throws out who it crushed right away. Mm-hmm. Then you do Phineas, Razor. He kicks them out, Bart. Then you do Owen, Hunter, Jake, Mero. Those guys are in for a bit. The Lucha dudes come in in the teens. They get thrown right out. And then you at least have Owen, Mero, and those guys stay in for the whole first half up until 20. Yeah. Um, so maybe something, right? Uh, all right. Diesel's in at 23. They're brawling. Terry Funk is in at 24. He goes right at Austin, which is cool. Uh, him, Brett, and Austin, the three of them all fight. Like three <laughs> match stuff, right? Um, and we're a few months away from Funk and Brett in Funk's retirement match mm-hmm. uh, in September. Uh, Rocky Maivia is 25, to your point. Like, it's nuts. Like, at this time, it doesn't seem like much. But Vince is pumped. Uh, Rocky almost throws Austin out. Brett nearly dumps Funk. But everyone's hanging on. Mankind wobbles in at 26. The ring is filling back up with some stars. Mm-hmm. Flash Funk is 27. Brett murders Austin with a pile driver. Flash gets a high cross body on Diesel. 
and Terry Funk at the same time. Things are picking up. Vader's in at 28. He pummels Brett, knocks Austin down as well. Austin hits the 35-minute mark as everyone's fighting. Uh, Henry Godwin's in with Hillbilly Jim at 29. Vince says he's the brains and the brawn of the Godwin outfit. So there you go. The ring is now full. Uh, very backloaded rumble. Undertaker's our 30. Vince proclaims him the winner right away as soon as he comes yeah. out. As always. The 30th well, guy always wins. Adam Bomb's going to win the Royal Rumble. Um, <laughs> and then, like, Ross, Ross – uh... Ross knew it was going to be The Undertaker because he's like, well, we know who this is going to be. And Vince mm-hmm. is like, well, let's leave it for a surprise if you hadn't been following along. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> so, right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then as soon as he comes out here, <laughs> 97 winner The Undertaker. So. Well, he goes right at Vader, uh, which is kind of cool touch. Uh, he beats on Mankind as well. Vader throws Flash Funk over the top with a fallaway throw. That looked really cool. Uh, Taker throws Henry Godwin out. Rocky is out thanks to Mankind. Mankind and Funk are battling until they both end up on the apron. And Mankind suplexes him out. Uh, kind of gets some boost, honestly, mm-hmm. from uh, that. Funk then pulls Mankind out. They're brawling. And that's an important moment. So they're fighting at ringside, and all the referees flock to that fight and none are watching the ring because they're all trying to break up funk and mankind. Yeah. Uh, so we got five guys left is Brett taker, Vader, Austin and diesel. Um, Brett finally throws Austin out, gets a huge pop. Austin hides at ringside and realizes nobody saw him. He slides back in right away. Ross says the referees missed it. Austin dumps out taker and Vader as they're fighting on the ropes. Brett Hart knocks out diesel. Austin then comes over and throws out Brett as the ref comes back in and declares Austin the winner to shock. Austin runs off. Brett loses it on the refs. He's yelling at Vince. Vince says it's unsportsmanlike, uh, Brett's reaction here. So a pretty chaotic and famous finish. I think, you know, once and for all, this settles the, why well, wasn't fake diesel at final four. I mean, I've always said it's because Brett eliminates him and not, he's not one of the final four. It's because Brett throws him out. Yeah. And he doesn't have the final four. The guys that Austin eliminated right. yeah. Brett, yeah, he's got no claim. Brett was still in the illegal when he threw him out. Right. So it's the three guys that got illegally eliminated by Austin. Yeah. They get the final four. Uh, a very weird rumble. Like you said, the clock issues, the missed eliminations, the dead crowd. But that back end was awesome. I mean, they, they had a sneaky high amount of talent all through this. Um, the talent of SARS got taken out quickly, as we talked about. Star power was great at the end. Um, a lot of guys have been pushed hard, had quick, easy eliminations. Ahmed's super over, but Austin's the mega star. It's clear. He's throwing up body after body. The ending stretch was was super fun. Um, the, I like the finish. I remember at the time I kind of hated it because I thought it like kind of cheapened the rumble, right? That he cheated to win. But it, historically, it's obviously was was really well done. It adds a lot of good chaos for the top of the card. Brett gets screwed again. He's obviously going to use that. Um, I know Aaron will disagree. I'm not going to say it's a great rumble, but it's it's a well built back end and superstar push for Austin. But that beginning and middle are really shaky. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. And Austin's legend builds because of it. I went four stars as a rumble. I'll say that's kind of my baseline rumble grade. Um, you got to be a pretty shitty rumble for me to go like below like three and a half. Three yeah. and a half to four is like a fine rumble. And then I get to four and above for like the great ones. Um, so I'd watch this one anytime. Like it's not boring to me, but critically when you're watching the build and where we're at, I think it, it has a lot more misses than you might want to forgive. Yeah, this is uh, probably the most I've debated uh, star rating since we've done the show. Um, so Meltzer gives it three stars. And, okay, pretty baseline. Um, I, I I landed on three and three quarters. I, th- I think it had too many problems 
for me, and I, I want to say it's a great match just with the historical, and I do think it's an all-time performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that can be rewarded when we get to, like, our dual awards for, right. like, pay-per-view month. Um, and there's just some problems. Like, to me, the crowd's a big problem. Like, the crowd is not into mm-hmm. this. Like, even when Brett throws out Austin, there's a big reaction. And I'm not going to say, like, Austin didn't get – no reaction. I mean, he obviously has a reaction, but I think that's really where the casual part of this right. um, crowd hurts this show because this isn't, I mean, King of the Ring was one thing because Austin had really done nothing. Uh, but even like the Milwaukee crowd at King of the Ring, I think gives Austin a better reaction. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, this, this is this is such a star-making performance. It's like you wanted to see like him start to get that type of reaction. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think it's just really a specific that, crowd that hurts. It's 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 so. I mean, it it sucks, but like I gotta, it's what was presented. Um, so so that's tough. I mean, because I think like, I mean, do you think like besides Big John Stud heading into this match, Austin as the winner is the least like pushed person that's ever won the rumble besides like 88 89 because you have well, you 89 have hogan, yeah, yeah you have hogan two years you have flair you have yoko who i think was obviously being like pushed as the next right. i'll say he i would say he's in the mix is like he hadn't really been pushed that strong yet it yeah. starts there really um I would say Austin had more stuff than Yoko did going into that rumble. I mean, Austin fought Bret Hart at Survivor Series and has been, you know, feuding with Bret's like one of your top two faces. Yeah, but I I just think like when you watch 92, like the tail end, it's obvious Mm -hmm. like at Mania, like it's probably going to be, especially. But he hadn't beaten anyone until the rumble. But when Flair gets phased out, you know, like didn't you think like I I even. I thought perfect as a kid, honestly. Okay. Wow. I mean, Perfect was super hot and really, he just, you know, was going to take Flair out of the company. We had just made his big comeback. I thought we were going to get Brett and actually, I thought we were going to get Ramon and Perfect. So I don't oh, know. You know, okay. you could tell where All I was right. as a kid, but I think Austin is, is at least on par with Yoko, but I get what you're saying. I, I think it's an interesting, I mean, and, and of course, like, I mean, Meltzer fans, the fire that, like, the rumor that, you know, is always supposed to be Brett. And because Russo like spouted out on Livewire that Brett's going to win, they thought too many people knew it. So then they kind of changed this uh, and then changed the final four main event that we talked about. Uh, added Vader and Taker and took out Sid and Sean. Um, it's, it's very interesting because you could still, I mean, hypothetically at this point with all that, at this moment, you still could get to Brett, Sean at Mania. You just have Brett win the final four like he does. Yeah. And then Sean, they still think Sean's the champion. So that's right. how you get to Mania. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll definitely get there. Which, which, I, yeah. But that to me then begs the question, like, are they still holding out for Bulldog Austin at this point? Because, like. At this point, when you have this match and you do this for Austin, like, how do you get him back to Bulldog where they're at? Like, to me, they got to do a lot of work because he feels definitely above Bulldog from what we see with the way this match has worked. Um, yeah. Like, like on this night, if, they, if they're leaving this night, you know, like they think, all right, we're still going to have Brett, you know, win Final Four, he'll face Sean at Mania, good to go. If they think it's 
Austin versus Bulldog. Well, now you've done all this for Austin. You've given him this huge push in the Rumble. You've yeah, had but I think that is doing it to, like you said, to swerve it. He's going to get screwed of his title shot. And then, yeah, he'll just fight Bulldog at Mania and then restart after that. I think Brett Sean's still the plan because as of right now, Sean's going to be a Mania. So who else is he going to fight? Um, yeah. So it yeah, feels to me like that's still going to be on the table, I think, at this point. I like this finish better than Brett just winning because, again, I don't know if they had already planned Brett's heel turn or not, but it's such a big part of his heel turn. You need this, him getting screwed here. This is like mm-hmm. the impetus for it, right? So, Oh, yeah. I mean, he pitches a great fit after yeah. the match and, like, King's all over him. And I, th- I think Ross, this is one of Ross's best job and, you know, saying like, well, I mean, he has a legitimate gripe, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he's being a cry, you know, like he's whining <laughs> too much. Uh, he's towing the line. Um, so I, th- I thought that was really well done. It's, 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 it's a very interesting match to watch. It's not one that I like. I mean, I, I wouldn't say like, I was just like enthralled in it. I, I think watching Austin's performance is really cool. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to that back 10, it's like, I mean, because especially at one point, like uh, right at the very end, they eliminate Funk and they eliminate Godwin. So you have Mankind, Funk, Maivia, Austin, Brett, and Kane, (laughs) you know, Jacobs um, in the ring at the same time. And you're like, good God, like these are, you know, I mean, these. And that shows you how far they've come as a company because. This is kind of what I was talking about in one of our last episodes, or maybe it was the 97 or the 96 interview, like why I think they're so much better off. We didn't have this, like think a year before, we didn't have like this level of a field available to them. No. You know what I mean? So like it just shows you that yeah. they have grown a main event picture and a star level picture um, pretty strongly, uh, you know, out of the gate here to start 97. Um, you know, the only thing I think of is like, I just feel like they have the talent to bridge that early and middle part. So if you move those guys yeah. earlier, you can even have Austin come in at like 10 or 11 and then start clearing dudes out instead of five. And at least give the opening segment to Bulldog, Owen, Goldoss, Helmsley, Mero. Like let them almost all be early-ish and carry that early segment. Austin yeah. comes in around 12 or 13 and starts chucking names. And then you do Jake comes out, then Brad, you know, however you want to do it, right? You didn't. Yeah. Need, you almost didn't need two dead spells of Austin. Like you, you no, could have just done one because they, I mean, they it's 90 second intervals for this one, so the total match is only right. 50 minutes. Yeah, quick. So, like, Austin is in the ring for around 45, but that's, that's not, not a part of his story, though. They're not selling like, him as an iron, they're not selling him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if it's 45 <laughs> versus 35 or 28, it's not right. that. No, matter. I would have, I think I would have front loaded all the mid card guys. I would have done your, oh, I would have started with like Goldust and, and Mero or Helmsley and Mero, let them reignite yeah. their feud at one, two. Then maybe you do Crush and then you do Goldust, then you do, you know, Owen, Bulldog, and then you do Farouk and Ahmed, do their little quick story. And that, then you're not having that gap in the beginning. Like, you know, then you kind of have them going at it at ringside. You got names in the ring. Then you start doing the Lucha guys. Austin comes in, kick, kicks the shit out of all of them cleans the ring out then you do jake savio brett you know like right into it yeah. i think that would it's, it's a fun it's a fun uh rumble to think about rebook and you don't have to change that much like i'm not even saying change the roster you know what i mean like yeah you can rebook I mean, it just you look you at got. the list yeah. of 30 guys there's definitely right. there to make it yeah. probably close no, to no. an all-timer you just change some of the decisions yeah it's, it's doable with what they got you don't need yeah. to add anyone 
Uh, all right, we got a video package for our main event. That's Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid. Jim Ross talks to Michaels on superstars. We find out that Shawn is battling the flu, but he, he won't be using awful. it. He does. He looks like shit. He's clearly sick. It's not. I think it's bad timing for him oh. because over the last year, we've had lost his smile, beat up. Now he's going to get get the yeah, man had lost a smile. Yeah, but it's common. I'm, I'm sorry. The beat up, the original. Yeah, Syracuse. Right. We had Syracuse. We had the Enziguri to knock him out by Owen. Right. Then we've had the layoff after Survivor Series 96. Then we have him being sick. Then he loses a smile. It's in the and the Vader match. If yeah, you're, so it's like, uh, even if this is real, it almost is like, oh, it's another fucking Sean. Yeah. Sick, you know? And I mean, uh, I mean, he's obviously battling something. I mean, you don't know. Like, he, I mean, he, he's, he's either medicinally sick with the flu, like they say, or, he, you know, he's whacked out. I mean, it's one or the other. Like, he's I think he's clearly sick. He looks clearly sick. Like, yeah. He, um, he's probably throwing up and shit. Like that's what it looks like to me. Like is it this match? It only goes 13 minutes, right? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, 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 yeah, they're out fast at the end. So I think it's obvious he didn't. They knew he didn't have much in the tank on this night, and which so is he fine. Was in a car wreck nine days before this <laughs> How many car wrecks does he have in '97? Does he get know. another one later? I don't know. Yeah, so that's the one that ends his run. I think he gets yeah. it. It's like him and Furnace on the Fawn and someone else getting a car accident, mm-hmm. Flash Funk or something. Maybe I don't know. And gotta, he ends up got a speed to softball. Yeah, that takes him out later in the year. Yeah. Um, how long was the MSG match? Do you remember? Was it longer or about the same? Uh, it was definitely longer than that. So I think it was like 18, long. maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. probably like 16, 18. All right, Sean's got his attitude back. Uh, he's coming for Sid, hometown. Sid's been torturing him. Jose and Sean come out. They get the biggest pop of the night. So the yeah. hometown thing at least works for him here. Like, you, you know, the, the crowd's into him. Uh-huh. Uh, 20.02. Okay, yeah. So, so this is significantly long. Seven minutes shorter or whatever. Yep. Sid follows. He's intense and focused. It's a road game for him. Sid shoves Sean to start. Sean smiles and bows up. He's not as rattled or overwhelmed like he was in MSG, so I think they kind of tell that story that he's more prepared. Uh, his speed is on full display early. He's all over Sid, flies into him, hammers away, kicks him to the floor. The crowd is all over Sean, all, all into Sean. He's aggressive. He's not waiting for openings like last time. He's more proactive in uh, countering. Sid counters a crossbody, uh, hits a power uh, power slam, and he takes over. We see Pete Lotharios in the crowd. <laughs> He's recovered from the big power bomb. Sid works the back again, but Sean is quicker and making his comebacks. Sean takes a nasty bump over the post to the floor. Sid attacks the back some more. Uh, much more basic structure than Survivor Series. Uh, we get some well-done cutoff spots, so Sid cuts it down with a big clothesline. Um, to cut off a comeback. Sid slows things down with a bear hug. We see Sean's mom in the crowd. Sean comes hammering back into a flurry, pushes through the back work, quickly gets into his closing offense. Sid blocks a sweet chin music. Sean takes a great bump to the floor. Sid comes out and powerbombs Sean on the floor. And then in a really cool moment, uh, Jose and Pete both collapse on him and Sid grabs them both. Uh, and chokeholds on the floor. Cody Gurria comes out. Sid kicks him while he's holding on to the Lotharios. But then Sean makes a save. JR reminds us that Sean is susceptible to concussions, so the powerbomb on the floor may rattle them. The ref gets bumped. Sid hits a choke slam. He gets a visual pin on Sean. Uh, Sean kicks out as the second ref is in. Sid clobbers the new ref, but Sean smacks him with the camera. He covers, but the ref is slow to come over, and Sid kicks out. It does a pretty good near fall. Sean uh, gets up, and he hits sweet chin music, and now he finishes. <coughs> Excuse me. He gets a pretty good pop for the win. Sean celebrates. Uh, he visits his friends and family and uh, fans in the crowd. He even hugs Vince. Vince gives a big smile and a ha-ha cackle. Um, overall, I thought this was solid. Uh, they, they were never going to replicate MSG. That was lightning in a bottle with that crowd, that moment. 
Um, you know, the work I thought was on point. Both guys just have natural chemistry. Sid had a lot of bruising offense. Sean bumping and feeding. Uh, the end, I thought, picked up with the power bomb on the floor. I thought they paid off Survivor Series with the camera, the Lothario stuff. Uh, I like that he didn't win with the camera. He hits him with it, but then he, he finishes him with Sweet Chin Music, right? Because the whole build is Sean saying Sid had a resort to the camera, but it's okay if he hit me, but not Jose. So he gets revenge, uses the camera, but still beats Sid with his own move. Kicked his teeth down his throat like he kept saying he was going to do. Um, it was an obvious change. I thought they did a good job, though, at least making the match decent. Um, so all in all, I went three and a quarter. Like I, I think it's a perfectly fine world title match, especially if you consider Sean being under the weather. The crowd is at least a lie for him. Um, they, I think it was the right move, even though I'm a Rumble last guy at all times. I think it's the right move to close with it. It was the most over thing. So, hmm. um, yeah, Vince. Uh, Dave calls it the worst Michaels pay-per-view match in a few years. Um, I mean, singles-wise, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it depends like, if you count think. Beware a Dog, I guess. Yeah, I don't count Beware a Dog. I mean, this I definitely think it's better than that. But if you take that out, I don't know, like maybe singles it probably is till maybe SummerSlam 93, I guess. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, so Dave only gives it two stars. I... I was surprised how much I liked this match. Um, I, I really liked it. I'd, I'd watched it. I mean, I've obviously watched it a few times, but I haven't watched it in a while. And uh, I thought it was compact, I think, which is, you know, at my age. And uh, I feel like with the discourse of uh, wrestling fans nowadays, like that, this is a structure that's more appealing to that. Like, I mean, they get in, they don't waste time. Um, and I'll say this. I thought this was a very good Sid performance, so. Aaron can rejoice in that. Um, I, I I thought he was on target. He looked like a monster. Like his high impact moves uh, were hit effectively. He he focuses Sean's back. It's it's a very simple story, but Sean was able to bump for him well. Uh, he focuses for the back, and then he takes the uh, payback spots with the video camera and stuff, and looks menacing, grabbing mm-hmm. Jose and Pete. I, I I thought it was a really strong Sid performance. Um, and, and, and a lot, uh, kind of a welcome change. Cause actually, since he won the belt, like I like, I loved his, uh, first match performance versus Sean and MSG, but then Sid hadn't really done a lot for me as champion. So, so I thought this was a welcome, uh, change of pace from what we've seen from him the last couple of months. Uh, so yeah, I mean, over, overall, I, I, I thought this was a satisfying match. I, I, this definitely had the most sustained crowd heat of anything on the show. So I think you have to take that into account too. Mm-hmm. Like where I said, like with Austin, the casual hurt that match. I think the casuals helped this one and that they give the desired reaction. Like this is probably the most genuine over baby face Sean's felt. Like, I mean, is it a, you know, Beatles in America type or, you know, you know, losing their mind? No, but for what they want. I would say since good friends, better enemies. Yeah. When, like, when the crowd, caved in on him coming out of the aisle and all yeah, that yeah i would say this is like the biggest reaction pop he gets since then i mean well, and, and look they built this whole show and location around this moment right sean yeah. winning in his hometown like this is why they did it i th- i personally think it helped with the walk up a lot we talked about the reasoning before right it was mm-hmm. partially because it's a walk-up setup town mm-hmm. i think sean being the hometown boy sold a lot of those last minute tickets like yeah hey look at the hometown guy going for his title tonight Oh, he's sick. He's going to go overcome the odds. The one thing I got to mention, too, is I do feel like it's a very Rocky Three vibe throughout the series with Sid and Sean. Like, I thought they did that well. Like, Sid 
you know, Sean got a little complacent, right? Got a little yeah. too uh, run ragged. He was more focused on appearances and kissing babies. And Sid right. knocked his block off in Survivor Series. And, you know, instead of killing Mickey, he almost killed Jose Lothario, right? It's kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, basically says he's going to fuck his wife. Uh, Sean rededicates himself and, threaten, you know, promises to come back. And here he fights a smarter match and beats Sid in his hometown. So, like, I think it's, you know, they, they kind of, I don't know if they meant to do it, but they kind of run that back you know two two match series back yeah I, I think it's a fun match to revisit because it's come back i think i think there may have been expectations of like a more epic work rate you know like very uh you may have had like main event expect i mean this is the stuff we've talked about with some of the hogan wcw main events too right. like i mean like you look at this now it's like okay this certainly didn't overstay its welcome like it had good sustained heat like the strikes and the psychology was on point you had payback spots, which paid off the story they were telling. Like, I, I don't, I don't really, I mean, did it overachieve like the Survivor Series match? I mean, maybe being held up to the standard of that match yeah. could be a hindrance because it, it was yeah, never going to meet that. that. It was never going to meet that. It was impossible. Like that's, yeah. that's like them, you know, their, their home, you know, like this, that's your immaculate inning. Like, you're not. It's like Hogan that. Warrior six. You're never yeah. going to replicate it, yeah. right? You're Which is why I'm always there. kind of been fine with them not really running that back again because right. you're never going to do better than that, right? right. I and mean, this was that. Right. Yep, yeah. I agree. So, so, but I, I liked it. I thought it was a very good main event. It does give the show like a feel good ending. Um, so that was cool. Yeah, and, and it makes Sid feel like a main eventer, not just a transitional guy. And like he's kind of set up now to yeah. be part of this picture. And he's not done. Like you would think leaving this, he's never going to win the title again. Not though, right? Um, but yeah. But yeah, he does. feels like, like the end of his story, but yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Okay, let's get to our awards uh here and then we'll close things up. Match of the night. I went I went with the rumble. Yeah. Um I mean it's closer than I thought. I mean honestly, like match quality, like I'd probably pick the main event just yeah. if you asked me to watch a match again, but I think just on historical significance and Austin's performance, I go rumble. Uh all right. Uh best moment. I I mean you know, Sean winning was cool, but it's it's Austin yeah. stealing the rumble. Standing of the rumble, yeah. Uh, all right, MVP again. Austin, easy. Yeah. Uh, we had a bunch of debuts. Obviously, we had Mr. Hughes, uh, Connect, Hector Garza, Aguayo, Estrada, Guerrero, Metal, Terry Funk, Mill Mascaris, and Latin Lover. And of course, this is debuts within our timeline. Right. Hughes and Funk had been on before, obviously, but for okay. since. September 95. That's these are your guys. Yeah. And of the shows we're covering. Right. Yeah. So, yep. uh, we had our second ever uh, Farouk, please. No. <laughs> so we'll continue to track those. God, how many of the, I mean, if we have more than. Oh, oh there's going to be at least, I would say at least double digits. I was going to say, if we have more than 10, <laughs> it's so atrocious. But, yeah, I'm guessing at least 10. Be, but oh my God. Maybe I just over remember them because, like, I remember oh, this one and a couple others. So but, bad. We'll see. Our first one was on the the, the, I'm bizarre. Like what two? Like those are two like classic soundboard. I mean, any any podcast soundboard well, you got to have. He those did on. it on the December 30th Raw, so we know he's going to do it on TV. It's not just a pay per view wow, thing. Geez. So he's already done it twice. Um, all right. So no shots fired that I picked up on. No. Uh, no dropped angles. I I have heel Jr. the next night on Raw. Okay. Our next one. I think we'll do it there because. I feel we're gonna get a couple. We've had a couple of teases before, but I feel like that we'll see that raw feels more like it's the end of heel Jr. Like it's been dropped going into the show. It hadn't been dropped yet, but um, 
I don't think anything else feels dropped well, there. Uh, well, I mean, uh, small, like, it doesn't really count as a dropped angle, but it's it's one of those weird things, like, you know, we saw the clips of Austin pilmanizing Brett's ankle. Yeah. On Superstar, and like he doesn't sell it on the match. I think that I think that's one of those like when they changed the booking, they didn't want him to look weak. Right. Like when he on didn't top win. of it, yeah, yeah. So minor. All right, final grade. Uh, I ended up going six out of ten. Um, yeah, you know, a little disappointing, but given where we've been, like this feels again like we just had to wrap shit and set stuff up and that's what this show was like we had to put the sean sid stuff to bed for the most part even though they were planning on running it again um in february in in one way or another um it gets brett's heel turn kicked off austin gets the win you know ahmed farouk is kind of kicked into overdrive like we had some stuff happen here that's going to carry us going forward paul bearer with vader vader getting the win so there's some big stuff that happens on the show it's just like it's a really one of those lost shows where the pieces are there. Like we don't, we're yeah. not even anything we fantasy booked on this. We haven't had to add anyone that wasn't there, change anything radically. It's like little things, right? Add, add that tag title match to open the show. Yep. You know, change that Lucha six man around a little bit, shave five or six minutes off of Helmsy Goldust and make it a, a hotter brawl. Save Ahmed Farouk for the rumble. Yep. Rebook the rumble a little bit differently. The yep. Sean stuff is fine, right? Like, yeah. And you're probably looking maybe like a seven and a half, eight, right? You know what I mean? Like it, it's tweaks. Yep. Um, so. Yeah, this is um, you know, you think in wrestling history of like these big fifty thousand plus attended shows. I mean, there's not a ton of them, even though mm. like in this era, and I mean, it's gotten worse. You know, it's it's tougher to gauge in the past few years, but but it seemed like up to this point they were either like great shows, you know, like most of them, yeah. like like WrestleMania three, WrestleMania six, like people say those are great shows of SummerSlam right. eight, two, even WrestleMania eight, yeah. Um, or you know, in later era, real bad, like real bombs, mm-hmm. like thirty two or something like that. Uh, WrestleMania thirty two. This this one, I I landed on a six out of ten too, and I think. In some ways, like when you think back to Rumble 2023 that we saw, I think it's not a bad comp. Um, Because I think that's a show, too, that's going to probably historically end up being like there was one memorable moment, which may not be even like as all-timer as you thought in the moment, like with the Sami Zayn stuff. Uh, but if you comp that with like Austin's performance, it's like okay, there's your like your historical slam. You get the Gunther run, and then that. But it, it, it Cody does winning, feel like like with the. I, match I think there's a few more though. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd put twenty three. I'd have to watch twenty three again. I, I've watched it once since we went, but I just didn't um, think. I mean, I don't think there's like any great like sustain. I mean, there's some absolute right. dog. Shit, like with the <laughs> Mountain Dew, Bray Wyatt thing. Yeah, yeah I mean it's so. I think so. that's quick, at least. Um, wasn't it like six or seven minutes? Like it wasn't much. <laughs> Felt pretty long at the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a fine comp. I, I think it's probably twenty three is a little bit better, but the Austin moment's the biggest moment of anything. So, and, and it will be historically. Up. I mean, it will be honestly because, like, even now, like, 
if Cody had won a mania, maybe, maybe that. Well, I mean, regardless of what you think of this bloodline, like bloodline may have bloodlines, the only thing that could have the, the, it's not going to have the ceiling of Austin. Like that's forget it, but it's, you know, it's, it's in the conversation if you want Or Cody winning it at mania and becoming like the guy throughout the rest of the year. I just, I just still don't think he's ever going to beat that. See, I mean, maybe we don't know, but now, I mean, it's obvious like with the bloodline stuff, the, is 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 as as cool in the moment the Sami right. Zayn thing was now like look where Sami Zayn is now like yeah we all knew that was coming yeah um yes there you, there you go all right so that'll do it I mean it's a, it's a fun one to break down it, we, again this yeah. was like a flagpole show for us to get to kind of a you know marker in the sand it's a, it's a good show to discuss this. yeah it's and it's, I'm gonna it's pretty easy to watch not many matches right. but it's it's no. it's one of those I could like. like Put it on now to fall asleep to and be happy. And I just yeah. had to watch it, right? So to me, that shows that it holds. Um, you know, we said it, and I, I think we're starting it here going forward. Like, I think every show now means something for us. Like, I don't think we're going to have too many wasted weeks going forward, like, yep. on both shows. I mean, like, we the next Raw, then after this, is a big one. And then look at our run that we got coming up. We got the the Nitro's big the next night too. The Raw's big, Nitro's big. Get the Clash, get sold out. You know, then we're rumbling in toward the Skydome Raw. We get the Manhattan Center Raw. We get the um, European Championship Raw. You know, like we get some big Nitro stuff going to Super Bowl. Like, and then Raw gets crazy, right? Like once we get to February. So we're we're pretty much in it now. Like, yeah. Like we're in the wars that you think of, where shit's happening constantly. And both shows are gonna flip back and forth. Right. Until we made it, I think we made it to the darkness. Um, until we get to the the end days of WCW, probably. I think we've seen our worst stuff. I would say we're gonna have some bad shows. Don't don't get me wrong. Like this, some like the South Africa Raw and everything. Like we got some bad shit coming up. But yeah. um, the sustained trash, I think, is done for a while. Right. Um, all right. So in two weeks, we'll we'll cover the fallout from this on Raw. We'll do the go home to sold out and the clash. So then, we'll talk to you soon. Follow us across all social media. Continue to smell the napalm. We'll talk to you soon.